Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Morning all, and then the papers talk of weather-related stories. The story in the Echo this morning, the calm before the storm, where they're issuing a status yellow warning um, for thunder uh, and for thunder showers because of the humidity. And the mirror says, yeah, 25 degrees today for sure, but goodbye sunshine. Well... You know, sunshine through cloud for the next couple of days. Unfortunately, it's not stacking all that stacking all that well uh, from uh, the point of view of the weather next week. More cloudy conditions, but we'll take it as it comes. Meanwhile, in the UK, mother of God, serious heat wave. Unbelievable. I mean, there's some photographs on the beaches. Like, it's insane, really, when you see some of the papers and some of the online photographs this morning from the UK. There's pictures from beaches in Dorset. It, it reminds me of just one giant sardine can when you lift the lid of it. It's increasing. You wouldn't think that there was any kind of restrictions in the UK. One day out of lockdown, they're saying, and these are the scenes from British beaches. And they really and truly are on top of each other, like ants. There are tens of thousands of them on these long beaches. Uh, it's incredible. I mean, like well, that's going on at the same time. They're talking about people being able to go to the pub and only have to be, and you have to be a meter distant from another person. You can only meet one other household. You can't move from your chair. People in the UK can go to the pub from the 4th of July, which is weird on a Saturday. You think they might start to roll that out the start of the week rather than maybe the busiest pub day of the, of the week, Saturday. But uh, while the pubs then have all uh, sorts of restrictions. The beaches have absolutely none. Uh, news and actually, funnily enough, McDonald's started to allow walk-ins yesterday, and the examiner has a photograph of uh, a queue outside McDonald's on Winthrop Street as people were trying to get their Mickey D fix, um, and they're rolling out walk-ins now as well as drive-throughs. So, you know, more examples of more businesses opening. You have to wear face masks though if you get on any kind of public transport. That'll be Irish Rail, Bus Aaron, Lewis Dart up in Dublin City buses. So uh, the other thing about that is. If you wear face cover, coverings and it's mandatory, they'll get rid of the two meter distance and everybody will be able to use all of the seats, but it will be compulsory on, on public transport. Um, air travel rules will ease as well with regards to air corridors from safe countries. And as we've been talking about on the air over the past few days, the Echo has a story today on hairdressers who are going to work flat out. We know that they'll work 10 to 10. Some of them will work till, uh, till midnight. Others will work seven days a week. Uh, street furniture is available to all businesses if you wish to put out some street furniture. It's a wonderful proactive approach from Cork City Council. Somebody uh, thinking with their head screwed on. So businesses in Cork City are being reminded, though, that you need to apply for a license. Now, it's a very fast and quick application. It'll be processed really quickly. Uh, it could take a couple of days, but you need to apply and ensure you have a license available, and then you'll be able to allow street furniture out, and that's a good thing. Meanwhile, the state of the North Main Street makes the echo as well. Sarah O'Dwyer this morning has, and it's a photograph that many people have become used to, the businesses or the buildings with all of the metal hoardings supporting the structure on the North Main Street, which would be the Dawn Square end of North Main Street. You know all about it. Traders are livid over it. They're just sick to their back teeth and it's just going on and on and on. And traders and residents and people who shop up there continuing to be left in limbo. Um, because you've got private ownership and you've got a council involvement in it, there's a lot of shadow dancing going on with regards to this. I spoke yesterday about the launch of Cork County Council's interactive Rediscover County Cork map. It's got 600 places on it, things to do and things to see. It's a great initiative, but I have to say, without wanting to be overly critical of it, uh, I tried to find it this morning as a tourist. If I was a tourist and I wanted to know of the 600 places or where to go in Cork, you will not find this Rediscover County Cork map if you put in a Google search for Cork Tourism, 
You won't find it if you put in a Google search for Cork holidays. You won't find it if you put in a Google search for things to do in Cork. What you will find a lot of the time is an excellent um, service on all of those Cork tourism, Cork holidays, things to do in Cork. It's thing called Pure Cork, uh, and that's really rocking. But the one from the Cork Council, you just won't find it. Um, they need to have an app for that or like what's the point in having it if people don't know it's there when they search Cork so that's a shame because you have to go into the county council website to find it so that's kind of slightly dark ages thinking to me but it was just my own thought meanwhile across the border in Kerry uh, Kerry County Council are giving all Kerry people a 100 euro voucher to spend in Kerry so that people in North Kerry will come down and visit South Kerry. People in South Kerry will go and eat or have an overnight in a B&B or a hotel in, in, in North Kerry. Um, we can't use the voucher. They can't spend it in Cork. It's all locked in to Kerry, a voucher scheme, 100 euro. Bad news for us, really, because that's the kind of initiative that really would make a difference. 100 euro is being sent to 56,000 households in County Kerry to encourage people to explore the far corners from Valencia to Ballybungan. That's the kind of thing we need, isn't it? Papers also talk today in quite some detail of child abuse, the startling increase in physical, sexual issues in the home since lockdown. I think it's uh, the Guardian are saying that from March to May, it's up 26%. Quarantine in the U- from the UK is set to remain as we, re- as we ease flights from European countries. Bizarrely, air travel restrictions will stay in place for people arriving from the UK. I hope to have some more on that a little later on this morning. That teen who spat on the, on the Cork Garda has avoided jail uh, and got um, uh, community service instead, 240 hours of it. Papers, papers are suggesting court reports this morning that on the day he drank at least 20 bottles of Budweiser. Never been in trouble before. Uh, but lost it with the guard and spat in his face. And then, of course, that attack on the woman on Railway Street, that continues to make the newspapers because the Guardi are appealing for witnesses to that. Witnesses. That's a dangerous area at night. Be aware that you wouldn't be walking down there at night. And uh, and really, you know, I don't know why people make such a big deal out of it. You've got to have televisions in jails. You know, it's, 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 it's a right. I mean, like you're not allowed to walk out the front door, so you need to have some ways of occupying your time. But the papers this morning talk of the nine grand the taxpayers have had to spend on murderers and rapists and other cons in jail watching Netflix. Sil Fox is going to st- sue the state because of his dismissed sex assault case. And I say, well said, well done. And so he should. This is a very high-profile sexual assault prosecution, which was dismissed by a judge. If the DPP had taken some extra time to look at the evidence before them, that would never have gone to court, Sil Fox says, particularly the photographs and the videos that were available. And the 85-year-old's life was absolutely destroyed. So he's suing the state for that. Here in Leaside, we are the fifth best city in Europe for economic potential. I heard an excellent report from Fiona Donovan on that one yesterday on the news. And then the one and only John Coleman, Ireland's greatest um, concierge. We knew that on Leaside, but now the whole country knows it. I'll chat with him later on. Um, he is a mighty man uh, up at the Metropole Hotel and won an award. In fact, the Metropole won two awards, which is great news for Cork, great news for John, wonderful guy. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco, we'd like to ask all our customers to respect our dedicated times for our over 65s and family carers. Your calls are welcome, one 104 You can text 086-8104-106. Pick up the phone on one 104 Okay, so you're under starter's orders. Straight to the phone lines we go, because there was a spate of spitting uh, some months back uh, with regards to COVID-19 and members of the Garda Shikona. Uh, yesterday we heard from um, uh, a certain 
a lady that works within the retail sector who says that members of those on the, you know, those on the tills, uh, on the front line in supermarkets have also been spat upon. Um, and I'll come back to that a little later on this morning. I got a lot of texts and emails from other people working in retail. But to that case of the 19 year old who was up before the court, a fellow called Adam Olden from uh, Liam Lara, close in Toker. Uh, Barry Roach was in court for that yesterday and joins me by phone. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, so this was a guard who had to be called to a scene of a disturbance in the family home, right? What was it all about? Yeah, we heard yesterday at the district court, uh, Sergeant Kevin Joyce, the Toker Guard session, he was there on the night and he gave evidence he had been called to the Olden family home in Limlara Close in the early hours of March the 29th last. And I suppose just to put it in context for people, this is about a week or so after Leo announced the lockdown, if you remember. Yeah, yeah. And really, we really were going to a situation where uh, we didn't know what was happening because just by way, coincidence, just uh, the, um, the LEF that was leaving, uh, Cork after being brought up as a test centre and I was talking to uh, Coivine Montgomery, the commander there and he was saying that when they came in they didn't know what they were prepared, uh, preparing for really in terms Actually, of... Actually they thought they were going to be a temporary morgue didn't they? Yeah and he said the sort of predictions were we could have had 800 deaths in Cork and I, I heard a story last night that um, there was a plan to order I think some like 1500 body bags and use perhaps uh, the um, car park in the North Mall as a temporary morgue as well you know it really it seems in one respect like a, a long time ago yeah. even though it's only three months ago but I suppose to set it in context that was the, the sort of that's where we were at well said yeah that's the context of the fear the unknown the anxiety the stress of how bad and was well, this going to be as well as that of course the fact that it was asymptomatic people weren't showing symptoms and we were hearing stories of, I can't remember whether it actually happened at that stage or not but you remember there was a young woman in England I think 23 died from it had no underlying illness from what we could gather so you know we were in a very fraught state I suppose so just that sort of sets the context anyway on the night of the 29th of March he got a call from uh, Adam Olden's father uh, there was a row going on at the home uh, there had been a long standing issue there and they couldn't control him so they called Gardy they asked him to leave and they called Gardy and Sergeant Joyce was saying how a guard was escorting him from the house walking behind him uh, Adam Oldham was in front and without warning he turned around spat at him hit him in the face and neck area and he shouted a number of times he had coronavirus and he hoped he'd get it now he said the guard who spat at uh, Oldham couldn't get tested immediately because of the backlog of cases. So he and his partner, who was also a guard, had to be taken off operational duties and had to self-isolate for a fortnight. Um, Judge Olin Keller asked what was the guard's attitude, and he said he, the guard was very upset and annoyed what had happened. But he felt it was a once-off, a momentary act of madness rather than any premeditated act. And he was also conscious of the fact that uh, Adam Olin was only 19 and, you know, had suffered reputational damages were because of it um, and Eddie Burke defence solicitor put it to him that he had suffered hugely on, in terms of abuse online and uh, Sergeant Joyce agreed he said that there had been an awful lot of negative commentary on social media as a, about Adam Olden as a result of his actions and that could take, it took him some time to come to terms with the impact of that um, we heard as well that he had no previous convictions of any type uh, he'd never come to guard attention before this he hasn't since. He abided by the bail terms that he was uh, given when he got bail on the 29th later that day, including abiding by a curfew. So Eddie Burke said he was deeply apologetic and um, what well, he wasn't offering it as an excuse. 
Adam Olsen had been drinking since seven that evening. This happened about, I think, quarter to three. In the morning. He consumed quarter to three in the morning, indeed. And he consumed between 18 to 20 bottles of Budweiser in his bedroom. He was also suffering from or having an episode of depression at the time. He was working, we heard then. He is since uh, no longer working. But he was very conscious, he said, Eddie Burke, uh, of the shame he'd brought both on himself and his parents who were standing by him. And Eddie Burke reminded Judge Kelleher that... Um, Adam had no previous convictions and he pleaded for leniency. Judge Keller said it was a very serious matter. He had subjected the guardie to the guard, sorry, to a harrowing and upsetting experience by spitting at him and telling him he had coronavirus. He said he caused havoc for this guard and his family. He said in the normal course it was an offence that would warrant a custodial sentence, but because he had no previous convictions and because of his youth, the fact he was only 19, he said he was willing to give him a community service order. But that's an order that judges use rather than jailing somebody they'll see give them a community service order so they refer to the probation service to see if they're suitable for doing work it often is sort of work on an individual basis or placement in a group where they might um, sort of do landscaping in parks paint schools paint community centres that sort work of thing. recycling centres things work like work that. in recycling centres that sort of stuff so uh, he's been sent for assessment on that but he sentenced him to 240 hours community service in place of five months in jail now 240 community or, or 240 horse community service sorry, is actually the most that can be given in community service so Judge Keller went to the upper limit as what was available from there and he warned him that if he failed to complete even a single hour of the community service he'd find himself serving the five month jail term we also heard that he was caught when he was arrested and, and searched with a small amount of cannabis so he pleaded guilty to possessing cannabis uh, simple possession and he was fined uh, by Judge Keller 300 euros for that and he also gave him a two month suspended sentence for engaging and threatening So the only fine was for the cannabis he wasn't fined for the uh, spitting at the guard at all? No but he has the 240 hours to to do if he's assessed as being suitable which I presume he will be and he was willing to I mean you know in one sense my recollection of this I think it might have been the second such case that came to prominence nationally Um, and on the day he was charged later. That's it was a Saturday, sorry, Saturday night and Sunday morning. And that Sunday, when he was brought into court, I remember the guardie came in and they were wearing protective gear, PPE. And Judge King, Judge John King, who said he wanted to know had he been as uh, quarantined, uh, tested, and so forth. So everyone was taking it very seriously, uh, even back then. But I suppose the fact that it came so early in the whole lockdown uh, experience, as it were he got a lot more media attention perhaps than yeah. he would in the normal course and I remember thinking that evening uh, you know even though I'm part of the media obviously and I suppose you could say we're part of the, the, the coverage of it but I mean he ended up as the second item on the RT News that night uh, uh, Okay so he learned he learned his lesson he, then in he learned it, I one, and I suppose you know um, Let that be a lesson to him he'll never step he out of line the again The media outlet then afterwards um, you know or this social media response I gather there's a huge amount of really really fairly fairly very negative stuff about the young fella so you know he's um He's paid a price. He's paid his price. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I think. Th- I think also with the guard, with the guard saying that um, it was a one-off momentary act of madness. The guard, the the judge took that into consideration. Also, it's interesting that social media can actually count as part of your sentence. Then, can't it? 
well, I suppose it's, it's a fact. Yeah, a social media comment taken into comment, consideration. Uh, something that would have thought, and well, not just social media comment. Uh, I've covered court cases for defence barristers and defence solicitors that said, you know, people have suffered in terms of the public um, reportage of it as well, and that they've been put in the public light. So that sometimes is a factor. I think, the, to be fair, the guards were very fair with me yesterday. They didn't, uh, you know, um, the guard in question, who wasn't in court, the man who was mad at, but certain choice saying, you know, they felt momentary act of madness, not premeditated. Um, and, you know, what really stood to the lad is the fact that he had no previous. Yeah. He behaved himself up until this and behaved himself after this. Yeah. Just one lapse, and unfortunately for him, it happened at a time and in a, uh, an occasion or circumstances that earned it more yeah. attention than it would in the normal That's course. Right. Uh, That's you know, right. So, That's right. Um, I suppose... If, you know, it seemed to me to be a reasonably fair outcome at the end, marking the gravity of it at the time. And at the same time, he's um, he has a conviction, but he's not doing any jail time. So, um, you know, hopefully he'll uh, have learned his lesson. But as I say, media-wise, uh, we all covered it and gave a huge prominence. So I suppose and here we are covering it again. Here we are covering it again, yeah. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, Barry. As always, yeah. Barry Rhodes, yeah. Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times in court yesterday. There were 355,000 hours of community service work carried out by offenders last year. There has been some criticism that uh, they don't always uh, get it or they don't always do it or it's not there for them to do. That's for another day. But 355,000 hours is the last um, published detail. And that would be for the probation service report for 2018. It's a lot of community service, isn't it? They dealt with something like 15,777 cases where, you know, and the offences for them would be where you could get community service would be things like theft, drug offences, assault, public order, road traffic and burglary. And the majority of people who got community service uh, were uh, 25 to 34 year olds. Um, and uh, in, in many cases, uh, the, when you when you hone in on that, the majority within that 25 to 34 age group were actually 18 to 24 year olds. Uh, and uh, you know, there are many, many of them then were under the age of 18 even, something like 700 of them. So that can be uh, something that kicks in a community service order can be imposed by a judge as an alternative of any kind of a prison sentence of 12 months or less for a person age 16 or over. Now, meanwhile, by, by text from people, they're not too happy with this. Uh, Willie says, this is so wrong. The judge needs to put himself in the Garda's shoes. Bear in mind that the Garda, in evidence, actually, said that while he was upset and annoyed at what happened, he feels it was a once-off momentary act of madness rather than a premeditated act. And he was conscious that the boy was 18 years old and had damaged his reputation. So I think the, the guard did him a big favor. Sarah says the judicial system in this country is a disgrace and it is way too soft. I think it almost makes a mockery out of the guardie in some cases. What's wrong with our judicial system, says Joan? The guardie have no backing. Patricia says at least a big fine should have been given to him. Well, he was fined for cannabis possession, but not for the spitting. Eric says, can you imagine the stress and the strain he put on the guard and his family by committing such an act and adding to it by saying he had COVID-19? Spitting is bad enough. He could have said he was carrying HIV or hepatitis when he spat at the guard of face. Well, they used to do that in the past as well. Spit at guards and say I have AIDS. I hope the Garda and his family are okay after going through such an horrific time waiting on the test results. Sharon says, this doesn't say much for the Gardaí and their physical and mental health. The Gardaí need to command respect from the courts and our judges. This is appalling. Um, cases, the sooner judges back the Gardaí, the better. I can't believe some people's attitude saying it's only a spit. 
How dare he re- disrespect anybody like that? Noel says, we're too soft. No wonder the country has been taken over by gangs of thugs causing mayhem across the country. The guards and the judiciary are too soft. It's a disgrace. They won't have enough jails in the country if they keep allowing this to happen. Well, they will have, I mean, they will have enough jails in the country if they allow this to happen and give community service. But sometimes a huge price is paid. Like to some extent, even the young one that was in court with the uh, dismissed um, uh, compensation case for the minor accident that she was in. And the woman that hit the back of a car admitted that she was wrong, you know, but she got pilloried in the media and she, you know, she was all over the newspapers, her photographs, she was on social media, photographs, people tearing strips out of her. A lot of the time, that's the worst kind of sentence at all. And that really teaches you a big lesson. The compensation case woman, she put the gym video footage up on her Instagram 10 days after the collision. You know, we'll pick up on that and lots more just after the break. I hope Kevin can hold on. Just two minutes. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Kevin, you're the greatest man in the world for holding on. I do appreciate it. I know you're under pressure. What's on your mind? You want to go back to the compo case, was it? Yeah, I mean, you've got all these businesses all going to open back up now in the next few months. And one of their biggest payouts that they're going to have to make in the next six months is their insurance bills. And this is enough. This compo case shows exactly why businesses insurance is through the roof. And it's just as well that they had the video that she put up the video footage and she hung herself out to dry because it was a slam dunk case. The judge would have would have awarded her whatever she was looking for. Yeah. And the the gym were, or, you know, the knock on effect would have been someone else's insurance premiums are going to go through the roof next year. Because eventually, I mean, the insurance companies don't pay. And, and a pensioner bumped into the back of her car. There was yeah. minor damage done to the pensioner's car, uh, something like a hundred euro worth, but there was like yeah. 1500 euro worth apparently put in for the repair of her car. Yeah. Uh, now she put up video cool. footage of her working out in the gym. And also she waited nine months before she, she told her GP. Uh, about uh, another incident which she also got a compensation payout uh, and stuff yeah. like that back in 2018. They were the main reasons why it all collapsed. Well, I mean, look, one of the biggest scams going for years was people stopping early at traffic lights, standing on the brakes. I've, asked, I've actually seen people, because I work in a garage, I've known people take uh, the brake light switch that's underneath the, your brake pedal, unplug that, and your brakes will work fine, but you've got no lights in the back of the car. So the person coming up behind you has no idea that you're slowing down to stop. How do you know that? Because it was, it was actually on BBC Watchdog in the UK. It was a big scam in the UK for years. And people would drive up to roundabouts, slam on the brakes. There'd be no brake lights on. And it was, it was highlighted by the BBC. And that's when the UK started to bring in laws clamp down on whiplash. Ah, yeah, and we've, we've had staged crashes and here as well, and so I imagine they're still going on, but that, this girl, this girl had a legit, this was, this was an admitted accident. The pensioner did admit to tipping the back of, of her car. Did. This was not in any way staged. This was, this really happened, but it, it was the personal injury claim that the, the judge wouldn't believe it if you're working out in a gym. Have you ever hurt your back? Have I ever I hurt have. my, yeah, okay. Yeah. I have. And the first thing I did, I went to the doctor. I didn't wait nine months to go to a doctor to talk to him about my back pain. And I certainly didn't go to a gym two weeks after I had it because I could barely walk. Anyone who's ever suffered back pain knows the pain. And it is a, it hurts. And you also know the look that you get when you tell someone that 
I've got back, I've got a really bad. Yeah, the judge said there were issues arising over the delay in the plaintiff informing her own doctor about the accident and the injury suffered, long delay, and not telling the defense doctor about her lengthy history of existing back pain and a 2013 accident where there was compensation paid of 21,000 euro at the time. She had absolutely no credibility. So, and the video was probably, the video was, was what caught her. But yeah, but, but, but it's like... Not to say that it didn't happen, but it doesn't make sense. It, it's, it doesn't make sense that you wouldn't tell, you wouldn't go to the doctor. It doesn't make sense that you wouldn't be up front and tell people, look, I have a medical history and this is it. But that doesn't negate from what happened with the, with the accident. It could have aggravated it again. Ah, uh, listen, if you have a personal compensation claim in for damages from a, a crash, you, you don't go to the gym and put it up on Instagram. But she's paid, but she's paid a huge price now and she's probably learned a very valuable lesson. I mean, and I like, hope everyone else who's seeing this and reading this and listening to this learns a valuable lesson. It's bad enough that you're going to, she's lumped with costs, you know, and she's going to have to pay a fair chunk of change out for this. But a lot of the time they never get to collect costs if somebody doesn't have it. But at least costs are against her. At least costs are against her. And she's not going to be able to work forever. So at the end of the day, they should be able to put an attachment to burnings on her and get the money back that way. Perhaps. You know? Perhaps. And the other side of it is she's out on social media and that brings its own form of justice. Whether people like it or not, the court of... Uh, yeah, somebody said to me yesterday, somebody said to me, ah, let he without sin cast the first stone. She's been pilloried in society. She lost the claim. Move on. Yeah, I understand that. But at the same time, look, she's going to have to wear it for a few weeks. And that's the end of it. Next time, be a bit more careful. Yeah, okay. And as businesses reopen, of course, one of the things they'd be looking at is their personal indemnification insurance for customers coming into their premises. Yeah, Yeah, and the cost of people, insurance companies start paying out on the um, pandemic insurance that everybody, well, where I work, where we took out, we've, we've lost thousands. And insurance companies aren't willing to pay out for us. So. And are you covered by um, pandemic we insurance? Were, we weren't. We were. We had insurance for catastrophic cover, but apparently that doesn't matter. They don't. This wasn't. This doesn't cover that. And what is catastrophic cover then? If that, it's not. Apparently, there was a case going through the high court FBD. about a month ago yeah. to, to 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 decide that. I haven't heard anything since. I okay. Don't. All right. Okay. Good luck with that. Are you back working? Yeah, you open uh, again? Uh, not, well, hopefully next week. And what, do you, and what do you do? I work in a garage, but unfortunately, with the NCT centres where we are in Charleville not open, and people have, you know, if your NCT is out, you've got a bit of time to get it. People ain't exactly going to get their car fixed at the moment. I know, it's a quieter time. So we're we're just quiet. really, really quiet. Okay, my friend. So, good luck when it gets busy when the NCTs reopen. Yeah, Thanks, Kevin. Hopefully. Cheers. Mind yourself. Seamus, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, um, you're talking about our legal system in this country, is it? Just, uh, yeah, I was just listening to you earlier on and uh, the comment you made about the, the, the guards and the legal system. I think the, the, the legal system in this country is not is the problem, and it's a problem that's been spiraling out of control. I think, I think the guards overall do their job very well. When they're faced with the courts, it's, it's, they have their hands tied. Um, you know, there was an article in the paper there which kind of turned my stomach uh, a few days back or sometime last week and uh, Mr. Justice Peter Kelly uh, getting a, a, a guard of honour from his peers in the High Court for his, uh, his last day. As, uh, or, you know, he was, he was due for a due retirement or something like that and he was finishing up. 
And it just kind of made me sick because it's a disgrace system. Don't forget, you know, there was an insurance court and was a paedophile. All right, OK, you're going into areas uh, yeah. now that I'm not 100% sure of. So All right. let's but just let's so just stay. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But it's defunct. It's a revolving door, which creates a payroll for, um, you know, for, for solicitors and barristers. To just revol- it's a revolving door which is a payroll between the, it's, it's all integrated with the government nothing's been done to solicitors to barristers the court service all involved in it yeah. free legal aid and it's just a yeah well you know you look, you look at the case and look at the judgments and you know but you know the fundamentals of the legal system in Ireland are it's, it's a but people are entitled to a defence and if they can't afford it they're entitled to have a solicitor appointed to them you see that's the they are but when you look at the sentences so would you, you know, have sent? Would you have sent this lad to to jail for what? Spitting at a guard. Spitting at a guard. Well, yeah, he could. You know, he could throw him in for a week or something like that. Or certainly take him in, and he should be before the courts and punished. And what would you have done with regards to a woman who had a compensation case thrown out? If I, how do you mean? If it was thrown out, like what? Somebody, somebody brings a compensation case before the courts. Uh, it's found to be not believable. There's video footage to show. Uh, that there was nothing wrong or exercising in a gym, judge throws it out. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's. I mean, she's caught out. She's lying. Like, I mean, any as that previous caller said, anyone with a serious back problem would tell you. You know, there's no way you could. Uh, it's believable that you'll end up in a doctor nine or nine months or a year later. You know, it's a case that she's cut out, she's lying, she's obviously seen seen to be lying, or it's proved. You know, throw it out. That's this. One less cost. Uh, it's it's absolutely crazy. You know that 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 claim culture has been a problem in Ireland for how many decades now? Okay, okay. But the so, legal system and the way it's set yeah, up. My that, point was just based on the legal system. I heard your point there earlier on. No one seems to really highlight it. And I know you're speaking to me, Hal Martin, before, but it, that those issues need to be brought up. The, the legal system, you know, it's it's just defunct. No one's really actually re- uh, reforming it. It's created more problems than uh, solutions. Appreciate the call. Thank you, my friend Helen. Good morning. Good morning, me. How are uh, you? What's on your mind? Well, I think uh, prisoners should. It's too. They're too easy on them. They should be out in chain gangs, anywhere cleaning up the trees that are falling down at the moment. They should be, and we could throw rotten fruit at them and they can sell roundabouts. Uh, nobody wants to be throwing things at people. Oh, I do. I do. I've been a victim. Of what? Of uh, a murder. My daughter was murdered in 86. Oh, my God. Yeah. Back in 1986, at the age of 21, they're telling me down in Kinsale. She was thrown over. It ruined my family. We never get over it. My husband is dead out of misery. Um, I'm almost dead because we had no counselling. But that's neither here nor there. Was there a court case? Huh? Was there a court case? Oh, God, yeah, he's in jail. Right. He's still in jail, somebody told me. The oh, my God. Secretary oh, my Midlands, God. Yeah. No, lovely and comfortable, like, and here I am without one of my children. I said, but, okay, I don't know the case, so I can't delve into it in any amount of detail, but if somebody goes to jail in the middle of the 1980s and they're still in jail... You know, they're yeah. without their liberty for a long, long time. What else do you want to happen when they're in jail? If they had, you know, it's bad. I want them to be flogged. I want them to be flogged regularly. I want them to be starved. But that's because I'm personally involved. Just taking away their freedom is not enough. 
Look, there's a sheriff in Arizona, Maricopa County. He has them out in the sun in pink underwear all day long in the desert. And he doesn't tolerate anything. But community service orders are just that. Like, they give out hundreds of thousands of community service where instead of going to jail, you're working in the community, you know? Community? They shouldn't be allowed near the community. No, they have to put in work. 240 hours of work. Work? They wouldn't work in a second, please. You think, okay, so you certainly don't agree with community service orders then? No, no, I I agree with, if you could do it, flogging and chain gangs. Let's see them all. Let's shame them all. So your life was never the same since the death of your daughter? Of course, of course it wasn't, no. I'm here now, today's my birthday. Uh, same day as George Michael, and there's only one bit of compensation. I got a lovely, uh, the, the new Bob Dylan. Oh, yeah. The most yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to having a, a glass of gin now later, and I'm putting that on. Well, I read a review of it at the weekend, and uh, it's a yeah. lot of old material, isn't it? There, there is, yeah, there is. No, I love his, his early stuff. I love Hargreen and all that. Everything he ever did. And I, have you bought it on vinyl or CD or download oh, or this is in, on CD. Um, my son gave it to me. Ah, oh, lovely. Well, you have something to look forward to with the gin and tonic. I have and a, a big glug of gin. <laughs> I'm so sorry about the passing of your daughter all those years ago. Yeah, she'd be she'd be I, well I, into she'd be well into her forties now at this stage, would she? Her brother, my son, who's the second, he's fifty-one now, and it affected all of us. I mean, it affected the whole family. The, my mother, my 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 brothers, sisters, you know. I don't talk about it much because I can't. I know, I know, I know, I know. Well, <laughs> I you have you have a right. You have a right more than most of us to have an opinion on sentencing and jail time. Exactly, exactly. That's, that's how I look at it. I mean, like, to, to have a great life, they get the best of food. I starved all day yesterday because our water, our water system broke down. You don't think being, you, yeah, you don't think being in jail for 10, 12, 15 years is enough? No, not long enough. They should be allowed to rot. And I'm, I really mean rotting. Okay. Oh, put them in the gym. Oh, give them this. Oh, Christmas parties. Daddy, that. Okay. People are in jail for uh, no television license. That is wrong. But this country is a total and utter joke well at least the guy who was responsible for the death of your daughter did go to jail and didn't get off oh he did yeah. alright right. well listen Helen I know what you're saying I know what you're saying an eye for an eye I know what you're saying then you'd be then you'd be in jail as well so that's not the way to go but listen listen um so sorry to have to bring that up again this morning, but enjoy the Bob Dylan album this afternoon. I brought it up myself, really, because I, know I heard does. all those good do-gooders, do you know what I mean? I don't talk about it very often, but I really think the world needs to know what those shaggers are doing. They're absolutely being mollycoddled. Mollycoddled, okay. Come back to me tomorrow and let yeah. me know what you think of the album, all right? Oh, yeah, of course. All right. And would you like it? There was a great five, six-hour program on uh, Sky on Sunday night, all about Dylan. 
Uh, I wouldn't be that much of a fan of Dylan now to sit through five or six hours of him. Did you? You didn't go to see him in the marquee, did you? I did. Yeah. What do you think? I. Oh, I thought he was a bit tour, like you know, standing there. <laughs> yes, I, I wanted to show. I, I wanted to show at him, and my 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 son was next to me, and I couldn't let myself go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try and dig oh, out a Dylan song today for you. Oh, all right. Yes. He's seventy-nine. He's three years older than me. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the album and the gin and tonic. Mind yourself. Take care for now. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Play a song for me. See you, Helen. Take care. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Okay, Tony says, why wasn't he committed to prison for his crime? There was a woman who got one month in jail for spitting at a guard. Uh, why isn't this person going to jail as well? And you're absolutely right. Uh, there was a woman uh, who got 28 days, days in prison. Uh, the GRA came out and said that it was a clear message to anyone uh, con- contemplating attacking a frontline worker uh, that such workers are given protection uh, within the community. And that was the GRA that were saying that the criminal justice system working worked and efficiently to deliver an effective deterrent. deterrent. And this was up the country, incidentally. So two different types of situations here in Cork, Manga Community Service. The Sligo woman got 28 days for coughing in the face of a Garda up in Carrick on Shannon. She found herself in court. Uh, she coughed into his face in Sligo, middle of the afternoon, uh, mother of three, and she got jail. Um, she got 28 days. So big difference between the courts then. Okay, um, back to those calls and texts and comments after 10 o'clock but I want to squeeze in a call from a man who's in huge demand these days. This is Owen Corey from TravelExtra.ie. He joins me by phone. Owen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And thank you for squeezing me in. Um, what are we expecting next all, week? Always, always a joy squeezing you, Neil. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> Squeeze away then. What are we expecting <laughs> next week as things get relaxed more in many different aspects of life in Ireland, including foreign travel, right? Foreign travel is up and running. Uh, July the 1st is the date when large numbers of flights return. But for instance, we would have been down to 12 flights daily out of Dublin at a low. It's now up to 35. Malaga resumed this week. Lanzarote resumed this week. Uh, twice weekly to Istanbul. That started yesterday. Uh, Qatar, we're running all the way through the crisis to Doha. They've gone from two weekly to seven weekly. Uh, Etihad started uh, three weeks ago now. And Emirates started last week. So they, they've Aircraft are back in the air. Uh, low factors won't be setting any records, but uh, the sense of normality and getting things running, and more importantly, Neil, trying out how the new world looks with face masks, with social distancing in the airport, with the queue, you know, queue lines marked out with those yellow markers that we're familiar with from yeah. our shopping trips. Yeah. All of that has been tied out. And what what are the what are the popular sun destinations that are open to say somebody from Cork who wants to fly out of Cork or? to a lesser extent, perhaps Dublin. Well, Cork uh, will be up uh, from July the 1st, and Shannon be up, and Kerry will be ba- up, back up from July the 1st, Knock as well. So, we, you know, we had a situation there where there was really two services out of Cork. There were two London services for a while, but everything will be nibbling back up, you know, not, not coming in great numbers. Yeah. And the popular sun destination, to answer your question, Neil, uh, the, the real key to getting everything started again has been the Canaries for two reasons. Uh, the services to the four islands, the airports are cleared by the Spaniards with all the health, safety, checking measures that they require. But more importantly, it's got an incredibly low uh, case rate. It would be one of the lowest in the world, not, not just in Europe. Now, uh, obviously, Spain had one of the higher ones, uh, but the Canaries 
Kerry Adams government all the time have been saying we should be treated as a separate region because really we have no cases. We've had no case in Lanzarote for instance for three and a half weeks now. We haven't had a case in Cork in a week, which is great news, in case I forget to tell you. Um, so, so therefore, there are sunshine destinations that people can book. I mean, are you saying Spain itself, the Canaries? Are we looking at Portugal, Greece, Cyprus, all of the regulars? Absolutely. Port- Portugal stayed open all the way through. Uh, the four regions of Spain that would be first up will be the Canaries, uh, the Costa Blanca, uh, the Costa Dorada. And they, uh, Spaniards have... Uh, really working hard. Tourism is central to their economy. Correct. So they've been working on uh, booking your spot on the beach. Uh, they, they, you know, they would have a capacity. Obviously, the capacity won't be what would be normal. But let's say we had a normal day, 40,000 on the beach in Benidorm. If you were to socially distance those, they would take 80 kilometres of kilt flag. So what they've done is they've uh, put nets in in place with squared off areas. Uh, they've, put, they've set up apps that you book your place on the beach uh, for particular times. They've had over 70 regions of the beach because obviously they're a vulnerable cohort. So a lot of planning has gone into this and more importantly for people flying out from court they are making sure that restaurants are, are open, that pools are back in place, they've set separate plan for golf courses every part of the infrastructure of tourism is being managed and opened in sequence so that by July the 1st people will go and get a full holiday experience Okay so physical distancing on the beaches uh, in the likes of Spain or what have you, but certainly not in the UK. Mother of God, there's photographs this morning of shocking scenes of overcrowding on England's south coast. They're in the middle of a wee heat wave. I mean, have you seen them? Like, they're literally on top of each other. Thousands of them. It's all about management. I mean, when you get large number of people arriving uh, on a beach that isn't sort of set up for us, um, that could happen in Spain as well. But where's the personal responsibility in this? I mean, it it gives another, like, you know, you talk about a sand wedge, and that's what this is. What is this personal responsibility of which you speak, Neil? That the people Um, would have the cop on, like, not to go on a beach where there are so many people. I think... I think it's a long time since we've seen evidence. No, the reality is there is a, there are, there is a cohort of the population that it will be very careful and, you know, for instance, will adhere to all the laws and, uh, for instance, they locate a form to quarantine or quarantine that is causing so much grief for the Irish inbound industry. Uh, they will abide by it. But there's another cohort of the population, you know them and I know them, uh, that would get up in a motorbike without a, a helmet or, you know, don't really tremendously get guided by social responsibility or the Position. Okay. Are Irish people booking overseas holidays? They, uh, Ryanair talk about a surge in bookings, but I suspect they're overstating that their surge off a very low base. A lot of the July flights will be flying uh, at low capacity, but I do see prices creeping up. This the, best, the only way you gauge this is by looking into the websites and seeing what was Barcelona for 34 euro going up to over 100 euro. Right. What was Lanzarote yeah. for 60 going up to over 100. So you can see um, they, they'd have a limited, they've only 40% of the, of the fleet in the sky, but of those flights, you can actually see the prices creep up. And the only reason they do that is the computer uh, logarithms uh, push the price up as the seats get what does what the story then say in hotels and resorts? Can you go to the pools, swim in the pools? Can you get a sit by the, the, the pool in a lounger? Would there be buffets? Or how will they serve you food and things? And how, how are we going to cope with putting uh, the towels on the sunbeds first yeah. thing in the morning? Um, what they're again managed, very carefully managed, uh, capacity in pools is going to be monitored. And uh, what what everyone is urging is uh, booking in advance, like the churches in Ireland, booking in in advance, 
uh, getting an allocated time. It's not really what people want in holiday. They want to have the, uh, you know, the freedom to just decide now I want to go for dinner or whatever. But we will see much more management of it because uh, distancing is being maintained and the number of people in particular areas is being managed. Things like the breakfast buffet, which was an old favourite for holidaymakers, that's uh, pretty much come to an end for the time being. But uh, all of this uh, is pretty a lot better than where we were looking in mid-March when people were saying uh, that uh, Spain would be closed for a long, long time. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, obviously, Portugal stayed open right through. The Algarve will be very much open for business. And when people come back from their fortnight or their week away, they won't have to go into quarantine, so they won't. Yeah. No, yes, they will. That's the problem at the moment. The government has decided uh, to extend that to from, we expected it to reviewed and abandoned on June the 18th. It's been extended to July the 9th. Now, the reality is that um, quarantine is not legally enforceable. So if you decide not to quarantine, there's nothing can be done. Oddly enough, the locator form that you're given on the aircraft is legally enforceable. So um, you can actually, uh, you're, you're supposed, if you don't fill out the locator form, you can it's just no. It's just that I read yesterday that uh, Leo Varadkar was about to stamp approval for ditching the 14-day quarantine for all travellers coming into the country from early next week. Um, we hope early next week. We'd hope to see it go before the end of this week. July the 9th is the date. The date is July 9th. Except for yeah, the UK, I believe, is that that remains. Yeah, they're, they're talking about ditching it uh, for only for some countries and the UK would be on the list uh, that has not been ditched for. So we have the situation where Irish people going into the UK do not have to quarantine, but UK coming in do have to quarantine. Huge issue for inbound tourism. Of the 11.5 million tourists that came to Ireland in, in last year, 4.7 million for came from Britain. So it's about half our entire tourist cake and it's also the one that research shows would be quickest to recover. Okay, just in, six, just in 60 seconds. Seconds. What's when you go to an airport? Will there be no lounging around in duty free or restaurants? Or there'll be will there be long queues for the plane? And what will be what will it be like on board a plane? Masks on board, uh, contactless where possible. They are going to serve food and drink, which means masks will have to take off. Getting to the airport is going to be as quick as possible. Try to avoid check-in desks. Uh, to do everything as much online as possible. Security queue will be spaced out. Boarding will be uh, spaced out. Things like priority boarding will be gone. And the ancient Irish tradition of when the plane lands, everyone jumping on their feet and standing in the aisle, that has to go as well. People will be called off by roll number. Okay, changing times as always. Owen, thank you so much for taking the call. Always a pleasure, Nick. We slowly but surely move back to more exciting and positive stories. And that's another one of them for those of you that want to get a bit of sun. Outside of Ireland, that is. Owen Curry has a super duper website. It's www.travelextra.ie. We're back after 10. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco, we'd like to ask all our customers to respect our dedicated times for our over 65s and family carers. Fancy getting away for a bit of pampering where somebody does all of the work for you and spoils you. Two nights for two people at the Radisson Blue Hotel in Athlone, right beside beautiful Loch Ree in the magnificent Midlands. Um, and it's stunning. The Midlands are gorgeous. We tend to gravitate to the coast all the time, don't we? But some of the counties in the middle of the country are just gorgeous, stunning scenery and very rich in history as well. The Hidden Heartland, they call it. So the Radisson Blue Hotel in Athlone, for you and whom every choose to take with you, two nights, bed and breakfast, and one evening meal for the two of you, courtesy of ourselves, and I knew a hotel collection, Ireland's leading regional group of four and five star hotels, and they're pure cork. Check them out. Inua, I-N-U-A, I-N-U-A dot I-E. So, cue to call for you now. And when you hear it again, sometime between now and midday, caller nine.
gets on air and is asked a question just to prove just how much you know Cork. Prove that you have Cork credentials and we'll stamp your, stamp your Cork passport and you can head away to Athlone. So this is the cue to call you're listening out for. As always, Ask Audrey is the Irish examiner's agony aunt and she's got a lot of different characters working with her. You can hear um, Ask Audrey and all of the characters on Dave Max Drive on Thursdays and Fridays and also on the Red Extra .ie website. So, this is Reggie. Um, have a listen to what he'll be saying. Hello, old sock. I've developed a test for Corkmas. When you hear that again, get on the phone. Caller 9 gets asked a question by Reggie. Hello, old sock. I've developed a test for Corkmas. Bless <laughs> you, Reggie. Bye. Some more on that between now and midday. This is interesting. Uh, I get all sorts of different requests on this here radio program down through the years. My son... Hi, Neil. My son was about to jump off the bridge by Lancaster Lodge this morning at around 5 a.m. He was over the bridge and all, and I never got the man's name that caught him in time from behind. Just before he jumped, man caught him from behind, pulled him back. The man was in Balancholic, and I just wanted to thank him from the bottom of my heart for passing at the right time to prevent my son from jumping off the bridge. And he waited with my son until I arrived at the scene. I just want to say thank you so much to this man. I'm so very grateful for him to have been passing by at the time and getting out and helping my son, talking to him and getting him back over the railing to safety. Thank you so much. If he hears this, I'd like you to pass on my telephone number to him so I can thank him properly in person. I just got such a fright and got my son into the car and we just went straight home. And we got that there in the last half hour or so from Sharon. Uh, the ma'am of the lad who really and truly was in a very distressed state on the bridge by Lancaster Lodge. I know that area well. Uh, Unfortunately, can I just also say it's not the first time that I've heard of a story like that from that bridge. So thank God that somebody was passing uh, and intervened. It was around 5 a.m. this morning. Uh, I'm so glad that your son is safe for the Sharon. I know you're looking after him and he'll get the help that he needs. God knows He's, in a, he's finding life difficult at the moment. But I wonder who was that man? Uh, wouldn't it be lovely to just maybe get in touch with him? If it was you or you know the person, could you get in touch with us? Because Sharon would like to uh, say thank you and we'd like to reward you as well. Not that you want that, but it's important to acknowledge these things. So get in touch. This is from this morning at 5 a.m. Thank God. Tragedy averted. Text 0868104106. Uh, get in touch with us. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Very busy this morning. Robert, good morning. You be- Can you hear me okay? You can? Yes. Yep, you, you, you believe that it is an appalling move to lift any kind of restrictions or travel restrictions? Which? Incoming travel, incoming travel restrictions, Neil. Why? Uh, I, I, Why? I just think, like, you know, we've, we've all done our best. Um, people have been cocooning now, the elderly, and then you're going to have tourists come into the country with no um, no quarantine, no tests. Okay, they'll maybe get test, tested, you know, but they could be, you know, in the kind of progression period of the COVID, and they could get it when they're here. And I just think it's... Well, we have travel corridors but what are deemed to be safe countries, amongst them excluding them actually are the UK that's that the quarantine will remain for them but other countries where numbers are low they have it like this is it this is of huge economic consequences Robert I know Neil but there's people's lives at stake as well and especially the elderly and the vulnerable people and the funny thing about it Neil is the people who want this are the airline companies the, like Tony Holland isn't saying it at all as far as I can see anyway 
and he's the man that we, ha- we need to listen to, not airline companies. <sighs> no, like, you... I was involved in tourism, Neil, and I know, but like, even if the tourists come, sure, they're not going to be able to enjoy the country, Neil. No more that they'll have the same kind of enjoyment as we'll have in their country with restrictions and guidelines and distancing, reduced numbers in restaurants and beaches and everything. I just think it's a time just to people just to say, let's give it a break, write it off. And I know it likes a clearly they're all suffering big time, big time now, but it's too dangerous, Neil, to open up the country. It's bad enough at the moment now. You saw the beaches in the UK. It's bad enough. But you you put tourists, especially uh, our friends from the US, um, you know who I love. Like, they're lovely people and all that. But um, she look with an awful kind of gun. No, over there. Uh, okay, so this is for tourists coming into the country. Are you saying the same about Irish people who want to go on a sun holiday, or somebody who wants to move, like me, go to Kerry, or you want to go to Galway? I know, I know. There's an argument against what I'm saying, Neil. But what I'm saying is that to open up the, the to, to take the 14 day quarantine away. Look at New Zealand and what happened there. They were free from COVID for 28 days or whatever. Two two women got in and to visit some dying relative and they had they had it. And no, they're they're not. The Prime Minister of New Zealand now is very annoyed about it and she's not going to leave anybody um, away without a 14 day quarantine. Mm. So we, we should follow New Zealand. They're the leader in, the, in mm. this deal. Okay. And we're, I'd say we're very good too, but I just think it's a wrong move. Letting people in primarily, you're saying. Letting people in, never mind people going out. Okay. Well, it's the fact that they're not being quarantined. I know it's just, if they need to be quarantined for the 14 days. If they're, if, they're, if they're free from COVID, let them off. But I just think, Neil, it's a step too, too far too soon. Okay, okay. Um, let's get all the thoughts on that. Text 0868104106. Robert, are you anything to the, um, do you have any involvement in the farmer's market down in Shannon? I do. I do. That's my niece. It's an incredible spot. I was down there uh, b- b- weekend last weekend when I was was it last no the weekend before. It's super. It is. It is. Yeah, there, there was actually a garage. Neil, there was fifteen yeah. people employed there over the years, and they, they Michelle and Tom, they've turned it around, and to that season, it's lovely. I mean, you know, isn't it a beautiful setting? That old <laughs> garage. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Well, that's my home, my home place, Neil. And tell, and tell me this, give people an example of, like, is it open every day or is it just the weekend, the market? They, they open, I think they, they, do, they open maybe four days a week or something like that. I think they take a break on Mondays and Tuesdays. And what do they carry? Like, what kind of offerings? Oh, it's all um, lovely organic foods. They've, they've meat, some McCarthy's there. They're, they're the best of meat and the best of vegetables. and Fruit, and um, veg and all sorts of things just, like that. Local produce from West Cork and everything. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's all local. Lovely, they have no potatoes out from Barry from Barry Roy yesterday. I saw them down in. <laughs> I tell you something, it's well worth the visit, even for people to get into their car and just go down there. It's a super, super business, yeah. And there's a nice little tower then down from it there, a lovely little walk down to the river, just you know, that's where I grew up, Neil. But if people wanted to pull down towards the tower, park there, walk into the market, and then go back, you know, and have a little walk around the village. Fair been play nice, to you, you know? Okay, the ambassador thanks, of Inish Shannon. That, I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting nice that. Nice one. Though, well, it's on the right-hand side as you head in from Cork, on the right-hand side, can't yeah, miss it. And, and as you know, the name is unusual, Rohu. Rohu. I knew there was a connection there somewhere. <laughs> Fair play. Thanks, Robert. God bless. Thank Take care. Bye Cheers. Bye. Mind yourself. One, two, three, four. Neve, good morning. Go ahead. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, we're talking about flights. Um, okay, this is on travel yeah. and tourism, right? Go ahead. Yeah, so we're due to depart on the 4th of August to go to Lanzarote for two weeks. And when did you book that? 
we booked that back in January so we booked it all ourselves individually so we have flights and accommodation booked separately mm-hmm. so we're travelling with Ryanair going out and coming back with Aer Lingus and um, we don't have any option on our flights the flights cost us nearly a thousand euros well we can move the date with Aer Lingus but Aer Lingus flights are only up till April next year so we don't have an option to move them out until the summer next year. Okay, but you're With free. Ryanair. You're free and clear. You're free and clear for August fourth, like no bother. Well, well, we don't know. We don't know. Do we have to quarantine when we come back or isolate when we come back? And I, I've emailed the hotel, and they said they're not actually opening until the fifteenth of August, and or sorry, the fifteenth of July. And um, I'm on this page called Lanzarote Information, and they updated it yesterday. There's about eight hotels open, and they reckon that um, a lot of the flights that will be coming in will be kind of like people that have holiday homes over there and they're not expecting it to pick up until September, October. So what is the, you have a booking for a hotel on the 4th of August. What are they saying to you? What they said to me is that they're not opening until the 15th of July. that's not what you're asking them. You're asking them, what is the story of my room on the 4th of August? Well, I, I have I have a room, I suppose. They will be open. There will be social distancing in place. They don't know how it's going to work around the swimming pool. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they couldn't comment on the bars and restaurants. But you have to have one and a half metres social distancing and you will be expected to wear a face mask. Yeah, and you'll have to book a spot by the, be- by the, by the pool. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, it's bad enough as it is. No mind saying one and a half metres... You know, now they could be very low rates of people in the hotel as well. Like we're 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 not going to go more than likely. But I suppose Why? we're kind of left. Um, I just don't think it'll be the same holiday. To be honest, I I I think in my head if I have to go and queue, we're queuing here, which is fine. I don't want to go on my holidays and have to queue for places. Is it a case of one of the bars that we might go to? They're at fifty percent capacity. So where are you going to go in the evenings? Do you know, like I don't. You're, know but you're you're expecting unknown. that it might be mobbed. I say an awful lot of people won't actually go. So you could find that things are quiet and you can go anywhere you want. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I don't. I, it's the unknown, I suppose. Really, I'm not expecting it to be mobbed. I, I think, but I do think there will be social distancing in place. You will have to queue. I don't want to be thinking three nights out from where I want to go for my dinner. Three nights later, you I know, know what and you're I saying. Be yeah, it wouldn't place. be the same kind of holiday. No, but it, but the hotels no. won't give you a refund, and the airlines well, probably. We, no, we we. I'll get my deposit back from the hotel because that was part of my booking originally. You can cancel up to fourteen. Is days that what you're going to do? Back. So even though Leo Varadkar's Expected to um, lift quarantine uh, in the yeah. coming days. Oh, that, that's what we're thinking at the moment. Like my, I have a father. My dad is nearly. He'll be eighty nine next month. Like I have to think of him as well. You know, he's cocooning as it is, and I don't want him to be put at high risk just for two weeks holidays away. You know, it's just not fair. So. Okay. Okay. Well, but it's just unfortunate that the government aren't stepping up and saying. Look, there's a travel plan in place. Are they not forcing the airlines to offer people other options? Like at the moment, we can change our flights at Ryanair, but at another additional cost of 260 euros to us. And Aer Lingus? With Aer Lingus, we can change for free, but the flights are only up until April. Even though they have flights are there on their schedule, they have flights from from May, but there's no flights available to All book. Right. Okay. All right. So you're, you're caught either way. We can't claim off our travel insurance because um, it's a pandemic. But the risk for you is whether or not it will be the same kind of quality holiday or not at the end exactly. of the day. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. yeah. And I mean, like, you only got to get a certain amount of time in the swimming pool with 
my daughter. Like, you know, I, I don't, I personally don't think it's Okay, let's see if other people are in a similar quandary to you. Thanks for taking the call, Neil. Cheers. one 850 Yesterday's conversation involved somebody working in retail at Tills and the awful time of it. Um, you know, the abuse they put up with, the totting, the eye rolling, the fighting between customers, people not staying back and doing the right thing with regards to the meter distancing, waiting their turn, even being spat upon. Stacy says, I work in retail. We were opened on the 8th of June. At the start, most customers were amazing. But in the last week, some customers have started to become extremely rude. We had one customer freak out because we allowed an elderly lady priority access into the shop. We've had customers give out that they've had to queue, then give out because we don't have a staff member available to them following to follow them around and get the items for them. We've had complaints that we can't bring their items to the cars for them. We've had to ask people to stand on special markers in queues because there are six inches from someone's back. We get dirty looks or smart aleck comments. A bit of empathy and understanding towards staff would be great. Seems to have kind of ratcheted up in the last week. And many people now seeming to believe, Asha, that's all past news. That's all old news now. Everything's fine. It's not. The lines are there for a reason. I was in Duns and Bishopstown Court yesterday. I wanted to get some fish from O'Connell's and I got some beautiful fish. I got some really lovely uh, lemon sole and some lovely sea bass. But it's very quiet. Um, you know, it was a bit of a queue. People stood there two metres apart, but the queue moves. Slowly but surely it moves, and you're in within you're in within three or four minutes, to be quite honest with you. And it's a kind of a leisurely experience, because there's not a whole lot of people around. Uh, maybe it was just quiet on a on a Wednesday afternoon. Rosie says, I work in pharmacy, and I understand th- totally where people are coming from. It's so hard these days to deal with people who think they have a right to speak to you any way they want. Ken worked in retail all his life, and even before the pandemic, retail workers are belittled and treated disgracefully. I'm used to being sworn at, sneered at, and made feel like a second-class citizen. The simple comment of people in need of work saying, I'd do anything, I'd even pack shelves, is actually the attitude that best describes people's attitude to retail workers. I'd do anything, I'd even pack shelves. All I ask is that people treat retail workers as they'd like to be treated themselves, or to have their son or daughter treated. Lorraine empathises with all retail workers on any normal day. I can't understand people being rude and nasty to people doing their jobs. Um, Retail workers deserve a break, especially after the amazing hard work they put on in the last few months. And one final one, Geraldine says, To all shop workers, you've done an amazing job. I'm also on the front line working for the HSC. To me, you are heroes. For the people who have done horrible, disgusting things like spitting at you, they should be ashamed. Um, and it should be banned for life from ever going into shops again. And in capitals, respect to all frontline workers. Back to the phone line. Shauna, good morning. Hello, are I'm good. And there was uh, a character in Cork who spat at a guard and he got 240 uh, community hours instead of a jail sentence of even a week or whatever. And people are odd about that. What are your thoughts on it? Um well, to be fair, well, I actually wanted to talk to you about it. I can go back to that after, but there's one thing about the jails in Cork. Because you brought up this morning about prisoners having access to Netflix. Yeah. That yeah. is absolutely ridiculous. Why? Because like, Netflix is a luxury item. Like, not everyone has it. Like, people who aren't in jail, not everyone has Netflix. It's not a necessity. You don't need it. Like, I understand, like, they had to quarantine or whatnot, but, like, give them something else to do. Give them books or give them... They haven't had any stuff. visits from families either. Did you know that? Well, like, to be fair, like, that's just the way it is. Like, that's just due to the circumstances. Like, I don't pity them if they don't have Netflix. That is absolutely... Like, if you think of family members 
if they've lost someone to crime or something and that person is in jail, it would actually make your stomach churn to think that that person is sitting in a cell chilling out watching Netflix. Like, even saying that, it, to me, just sounds bonkers. Like, I'm in college, I go to work, I come back, I watch an episode of Friends on Netflix or something and chill out. And the fact that they're basically doing the same thing to me is... It's ridiculous. I actually... I'd love to know who actually came up with this idea because when I heard this morning, I actually stopped and was like... Would you allow... <laughs> would you allow television at all? What would you have? Would you have um, one channel I, or... Yeah, I would Would you allow Sky? I, I, no, Jesus, I wouldn't leave Sky either. I just give them the standard one, two, three, four channels. Like, you don't need a TV. Like, give them the news if they want to or chuck on something down the corner. But Free to air then, is it? And no more? Basically, like they don't need it. Like they, that to me is not like. If you think this way, like I have a nephew and niece. If they did something bold at home, my sister is not going to say, "Okay, go there and watch an episode on Netflix." That's not a punishment. That's teaching them absolutely nothing. I don't. Th- I don't think it's good for them in the sense of even getting better. The Mirror has a bit of a mock this morning where they say, "What would the shows be that they're watching on Netflix?" Um, uh, I actually was thinking that as well. But or- actually, my thoughts. Orange is the new. Orange is the new black. <laughs> prison Break. Let's go to prison. <laughs> You know that doc, that series, Inside the World's Toughest Prisons? Oh, yeah, I've seen that. The Ross Kemp one or something. Jailbirds and Making a Murderer. Um, I don't think they'd be including Rathmore Road as Inside the World's Toughest Prisons, though, would they? <laughs> I don't know, but it's just, it's actually the last of all. Because, like, you just think if people are going to jail because they've done something wrong. I just don't get how this system thinks that's going to help them. Like, give them, I don't agree with tucking them in a cell and locking the door, but give them something. Give them, like, counselling, give them exercise, give them arts and crafts, give them a radio, give them, like, that would actually entice you to almost go back because you're getting free Uh, meals. Chill out. If if they're criminals now. No one would say, I'm off to jail because they have Netflix. I can say, I, I would put money on that there's some people out there now that actually would look at going to jail as a free ride if that's what they're getting. All the meals, bed, and Netflix. Like, that's just saying that again. Bear in mind now that you can't walk out the door, and that's the greatest um, civil liberty that you have the ability oh, to. I, I get that. No, I get that. But giving something else, that's my thing. Arts and crafts, that's really that's good for your head. If someone likes drawing, do that. If someone likes reading books, give them a million of them. If someone, a radio, just something. Like, give them, and then give them the standard one, two, three, four channels. Like, who. In God's name, thought that was a good idea. Like, you know, it's just, you think of all the criminals, like, even all the stuff that has happened recently in Cork, with all the stabbings and everything, and if you find out that someone's done something like that, and then it's going to jail, and that's how they're being treated, that would make your stomach churn if you were on the opposite side of that. Uh, inmates already have access to Sky TV uh, and the fresh oh outlay God. for Netflix <laughs> over the past two years. They've spent €800,000 of public money on small screen downtime for criminals, including violent killers, sex offenders and gangland thugs, according to the Mirror. <laughs> Nearly a million on TV. I, I don't understand the logic in that. Like, that's... Like, I'm all for helping them, but just how that is helping them is ridiculous. Okay, feel free to hold on if you want. Mr. McNamara, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Prenderville. How, How are, you? are you keeping? You have a figure on Sky Sports on top of all of that, have you? Yeah, there was a figure mentioned this morning on the radio there of um, 76,000. Um, again, I caught the tail. I was, on, I was talking about it, but I got the tail end. I got the tail end of it. 74,834 euro on top of all of that for Sky Sports and subscription channels in Irish jails. Sky Sports. Right or wrong? Surely, surely that money could find a better home, Neil. Um, it could find a better a better home with, with the way things are in Ireland. When you, you go to... I break into your house, Neil, right? I steal your TV and I 
wreck your house or whatever. Yeah. Now, I'm making a conscious decision to do that. Now, I also know if I get caught, I'm going to go to prison for that. Okay? Yeah. Now, you know, I've given up my rights to live in the human, in, within, within the rules society have set out for me to, to live inside. I've stepped outside that. I've stole your house. And when you're caught, you have to repay your debt, is it? You have to repay your debt to society, right? Now, that means then that I don't have to, you know, the the rights of Netflix, the rights of all that, that should be taken away. I'm there to pay my price. Did you know know that the prisoners actually, Shauna, did you know that they can't change the channels themselves? It's not as if they can be flicking or... Regardless. It's still it's still a luxury. Like I just like I know friends of mine who don't have Netflix because it's just costly. They just don't want to get it because they're paying right to college or paying for cards. So it's one of those things that like we don't need it. Like it's still a luxury item. And I don't know how that is helping anyone. How that's helping them when they're in prison. Yeah, but it, like COVID nineteen has been tough on them now because they've had. In fairness, the Irish prison prison service played a blinder. They kept COVID nineteen out of the jails. That's incredible. Oh, like I like do you know what my thing on is I I it. They're still human beings. As bad as they've done wrong, I still, like, I don't, like, two wrongs don't make a right. I wouldn't be treating them badly. However, I just don't agree with that. That is just ridiculous. There's okay. so many other things that they could have done that would benefit them instead of Netflix. Okay. That's just ridiculous. Like. Okay, okay. I think PJ was saying, actually, PJ, that um, many people who are right. living on the breadline or the elderly don't have as many of the uh, luxuries that they have exactly. in prison. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it just doesn't seem fair, Neil, that... You know, like I've walked all of my life. I agree a hundred percent with that. With that, that's what, what that lady is saying. I've walked all my life. I've got Netflix. There's, I got a deal with Sky, where I get the net. They pay for the Netflix. It's included in the bundle kind of thing. Mm. And I'm, it's happy days. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. I can't afford Sky Sports, and I've walked and paid my taxes all my life, both here and, and in England for many years. Only in Ireland are the victims treated like criminals, and the criminals treated like victims. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's very true. You you, you have. No, you're saying that. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm just quoting oh, you. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm I'm saying that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, you have you have weak judges, and if the judges were stricter, the guard the guardie would be more revered. Okay. So let me just ask you both before I let you go. A judge up in Sligo sent a woman to jail for 28 days for spitting at a guard, and then a judge in Cork sent uh, gave a man 240 community hours for doing the same thing. Thoughts? Uh, the judges don't protect the, the judges don't protect the, the guardie. Spitting at a spitting at anyone is a horrible yeah. thing. You shouldn't touch like, like, yeah, any person. Yeah. Oh, oh, it is. You know, it's like the monkeys. They throw feces at each other. They throw feces at each other. Spitting is the male is is the the, the human form of that. It's disgusting. You know, yeah. if you lift if you lift your hand to a guard, you should pay a separate crime. You should get a separate sentence for that for lifting your hand to a Garda. The Garda are the ones who keeps us safe. Okay, so both of you have the opinion that should have been a week, ten days, a month in jail, is it? It should have been at least something. It's a form of assault, end of the day. Like, I worked as a bartender before, and you do get people that come across and they treat you like that. I think it's perfectly okay. It's not, like, it's ridiculous. Like, you you don't walk up to a stranger on the road and do that. Okay, appreciate it from both of you, BJ and Shauna, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Brian is standing by. Can I just take a quick break, if that's okay? The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter.
at Neil Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. Andrea says, didn't that one up the country have a lot of previous convictions? Well, I read a court report on it, Andrea, and I couldn't, that may well be the case, but I couldn't see, uh, I couldn't see any previous being fi- featured in the court report that I, that I read. Maybe she did, but she was with a group of people who were drinking and, uh, they were loud and they're acting the idiot and then the guards came along and asked them to move along and that's when that kicked off. Brian, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? Good. Uh, again, I make that point about loss of liberty all of the time, but people just aren't buying it, you know? And that's the fundamental reason for the creation of prison, as far as I'm aware, you know? Um, you know, like, uh, what do people want want to happen when, when uh, lads or girls end up in prison for them to be, you know, treated in such an inhumane way that they come out angry. Mm. Uh, they come out upset, they come out with resentment, you know. Uh, you know, I think people, it's a knee-jerk reaction when you see something like, all I saw was your post on Facebook about Netflix in prison. And, uh, you know, I read the first dozen comments and everybody was like, you know, up in arms. Yeah, about it. yeah. I, I, I think it's it, it's an easy go-to to, to, to assume that kind of position and, and, and maybe a little bit more thought should go into it before people decide that. You know, you could have somebody in there for something minor. You know, they could have got into into trouble poverty-wise, financially, they couldn't pay a fine. You know, I don't believe that's the place for them anyway, for people for not paying fines and stuff like that. Criminality um, as a result of addiction and problems like that? There's lots of ways around things and... You know, like I'm not, I'm not really up to speed with figures and stuff anymore. But I remember a few years ago reading about uh, about Mount Joy Prison, and ninety six percent of the prisoners in Mount Joy were from five of the six most socially deprived areas in Dublin. You know, so um, you know, there's correlations there. Mm. You know, the, the, with with people who who did get the best start in life, who maybe didn't get the you know the right the right kind of uh, directions and advice. But in in a case like that, you are are right. Sociodemographic groups do depend on, you know, does relate to how many people end up in jail from backgrounds that uh, Mm -hmm. may not be the the luckiest in the world. But when you go into jail then, surely if it was very, very tough, it might encourage you never to want to go back there again. Well, I think, uh, I don't know, I think for most right-minded people, being locked in a small cell for 23 hours a day, for something, for something minor, I think, I think you'd regret it. You know, unless, unless you're made feel part of a club of disenfranchised, you know, then you might gravitate more towards that and it might alienate you more from rejoining society. I don't know. But, the, but, but my understanding is the TVs are actually in the cell. Yeah, well, you know, like... What do you want them to do? Sit and stare at the wall 23 hours of a day? No, I mean, funnily enough, I get into hot water all of the time. I think taking away somebody's liberty and the ability to walk out your front door whenever you wish, I think that's the highest price of all to pay. But people are, they get very angry about jail being soft and sentencing being soft. Well, look, you know, like it's, it's, it's proven time again, you know, statistics going back for, for years and years that, you know, recidivism rates are massive. So prison doesn't actually work, you know. So if people actually sat down and they read the studies and they looked at the figures, I think they might change their mind. No, but maybe know? it's we're not reoffending is what you're talking about is very high. Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, the answer to that for many people would be because prison isn't tough. It doesn't frighten the bejesus out of you. There's no hard labor involved or, 
you know. Yeah, I don't think I don't think breaking rocks and changing. Bit of, bit of square bashing and, and one either. pretty basic meal or two. Pretty, you know, there's a human rights issue. I know that, but uh, you know, choice of menu, choice of food, and you know, television and Netflix and Sky Sports. That's a walk in the park. They say. Yeah, well, maybe prison isn't the answer, you know, for, for some of these people. Maybe they should be out on community uh, redevelopment projects. You know, like, I, I don't see any harm in, uh, in, in, in fellas, like, you know, being in, in, in areas where, you know, there's, you know, high instances of litter, graffiti, you know, where they could where they could create green spaces that are used as dumps, where they could be, you know, that, you know, for small for small things. There's there's other ways of dealing with it, you know. There's community, get them involved in some community thing, give them like even even um, if if their time is not their own, they're doing something productive rather than sitting down stewing and feeling animosity. And there are opportunities in college to uh, get an education, to courses, to do, um, uh, pick up do a lot of different hobbies, of course. You can work in the kitchen, you can do your junior cert, if you're in junior school, if you're in uh, juvenile, you can do your leaving cert, you can do a college degree, you can do an apprenticeship and stuff like that. And all of these have been proven to be huge influences on whether or not people go back into prison. You know now that prisoners are going to, are going to sue the state because of slopping out. People are livid over those kind of things. Going to cost well, like, us millions. Well, say, like if you if you think about it, when 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 Mount Joy was originally built, okay, by by our uh, previous occupiers, yeah. um, each cell in Mount Joy had a toilet. The Irish Free State ripped those out. Didn't know that. Yeah. So, like, there were more humanistic uh, approaches to prison back in you know that was Victorian times. I'm sure, isn't it? Um, so. You know, like that—that's um, that's a reflection of our humanity or lack of. You know, how do you expect anybody to use a bucket in this day and age, and to expect that to be beneficial to them in terms of how they appreciate society and the world at large? But there's a class action coming from many, many prisoners being represented by a group of solicitors who are suing the state because of what you're saying. Yeah, well, I'd agree with that. I okay. don't think de- I don't think dehumanising people is the way to get through to them. Okay, thanks for that. Thank you, Brian James. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Good. A lot of texts on this. Can I also just say ahead of that that uh, it is not up to the inmates to choose what they want to watch on the TV services in their cells, on their televisions in the cells. That decision is made by a senior officer. Prison management can broadcast films, programs, or a particular series from Netflix to the single additional channel on the in-cell televisions. Does that make sense? It does. It does. It makes a small bit of sense. They don't have a remote to go channel hopping. That'll be the next stage, Neil. Who knows? Anyway, okay, what are your thoughts? No, no, my thoughts are, uh, I've seen, there seems to be a lot of criticism about this young guy who made a mistake with the guard to put him in prison. When there's pedophiles and and child molesters all over the country that that get get suspended sentences, don't spend a day in state prison. And to me, those crimes are a lot worse than than the, the, the minor crimes of maybe a young friend made a mistake. And I, I think that, I, I personally think that he did make a mistake and learned from it. And the guard was okay with him learning from his mistake, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think the guard, the guard actually made a statement towards the young man. To, to look, the young man made a mistake. Uh, he's got his community service. But then again, you've got paedophiles, as I said, molesters all over the country that get suspended sentences for having thousands and thousands of uh, images of child pornography. Oh. I just don't understand the balance there, right? Yeah. 
the yeah. balance is like you're calling murder people are calling murder and get out the, the, the fox to, to, to challenge this young fella this 18 year old young fella when other more serious crimes are just brushing into carpet it's just crazy yeah. Well, not all paedophiles nor murderers nor sex offenders get off. I mean, you're saying this I mean, is a, a worrying a amount of them. A lot of them do, Neil. Yeah. A lot of them do. Yeah. First, first like, offence. The higher, higher profile. It, Neil, there's no such thing as first offence in child pornography. Like first no, I'm, I'm saying that can be used as a reason for not jailing somebody. First yeah, offence. But first offence in child pornography, there's no such thing. Different league, yeah, different league. Absolutely yeah. different league. And, and it just seems it just seems like in, in this country, the higher profile and, uh, a person has, the less time they're going to spend in jail. Let me get some text on the air on this. Appreciate it. Thank you for that. Much obliged, James. Um, and people get very hot under the collar when they hear about uh, the... Uh, Benefits inside in prisons. Julianne says, I do think prisoners should be allowed to have Netflix, though. They're humans at the end of the day, not dogs. Amanda says, prison is a punishment, not a reward. Criminals should be treated as criminals. Um, and But you can treat a criminal as a criminal by not allowing them the freedom that they would have in the outside world, no? Laura says, a pity they didn't have these luxuries like Netflix. I, I'm in nursing homes. Uh, you would be starting to think if uh, I needed a nursing home, I should get myself locked up in jail. It's free and I'd be getting better care in prison than in nursing homes. Charlie says the government can't house the homeless, but they can house the criminals with free medical care, Netflix, meals and gym equipment. Netflix, Wi-Fi and gyms are all the things us normal workers have to pay for every month. Michael says they should be slapping out and they should be on a diet of bread and water instead, full stop. William, Prison Break should be blocked from viewing on Netflix if they have access to watching it. I know that was just a list of kind of prison type TV shows that they could watch on Netflix. That was in the mirror. I'm pretty sure as soon as they broke the law in the first place, they weren't entitled to any luxuries whatsoever. Says Patrick and Leona says it's crazy. Residents in nursing homes don't get this kind of treatment. You get longer in jail for not having a television license than spitting on a guard. Teenagers get away with everything. There are gangs on the streets and not a thing has been done about it. And they seem to have a cushy life in prison. Justice system is a joke. Prison is a punishment and is not a reward. Uh, Netflix in prison is a slap in the face to hard-working, law-abiding people who'd struggle to afford these kind of luxuries. Back after the break, text 0868-104-106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Maxine says, I have the highest respect for those that keep the country going for the last few months while other companies were closed, particularly those working in retail. People should realize the precious staff are under and respect the fact that they kept us all fed. Jerry says, people think they have a right to talk down to retail workers at the moment. I don't know when, where they got this idea from, but it should be stopped. Anyone not obeying the rules of the shop or insulting the staff should be shown the door straight away. It makes my blood boil. Meanwhile, John actually came to the aid of some retail staff there recently. Joins me by phone. John, good morning. Uh, hi, Neil. What happened? Um, it's going back just a couple of months there now, Neil. Yeah. Um, I went into a charity shop to have a look around. Right. Um, on Oliver Plunkett Street, and there was there was three or four Roma ladies at the back. Um, basically, to my eyes, they were stealing. You could see them taking um, things, could you? I could see them uh, taking things and, and covering for each other, and generally looking super suspicious. Yeah, um, well, I mean, like anybody could look suspicious. Did you actually see them in the act? 
No, I did. I did. Okay. I did. What, they, what kind of stuff? Were, and where were they, were they putting, putting it? Stuff under dresses. Under the dresses number. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What you um, do? So I just got. I stood there. Um. I. I just continued to watch because I didn't want to make a, a false allegation or anything like that. Um. And the rest of the people in the shop, you could see that everyone, you know, knew what was going on. Everybody was just stood there looking at it. You know, the staff and the customers. So I, I just joined a group of people who were watching all this happen. Yeah. Um, the staff uh, were all foreign because I talked to all of them afterwards. Um, bar one man, I think. Uh, he was Irish. Right. Um, the manager was on break, so she wasn't around. She apologised to me afterwards for not being around, which, you know, there was no need to apologise to me. Um, but she was, she was very nice, but she was on break. Um so I just said to the staff because I didn't, I couldn't leave uh, this kind of crime go because the Romans actually um, robbed my own father before. They they put him up against the courthouse, up against the actual courthouse, uh, about ten Romans, and uh, took money from his pockets. In the middle and of the he, day, uh, or at night, in, or? The, in the in the in the middle of the day, um, he gave them money. They asked for money for their baby, and he gave money, and then more money for another baby, and then before he knew it, there was ten around him, uh, and pushed him up against the courthouse and mugged him. Men and women are, are all women, or what? All, all women, all women. Mugged him? I mean, that's, like, physically mugged him. Yeah, physically mugged him, yeah. Elderly man? Um, he's after passing away now, Neil. Uh, passed away there two years ago, 64. So they got all his money? They took his money. He told me the story himself before he died. And these were Romas in the, in, wearing the, the what we know as to be the, like, Roma clothing? Very colourful clothing, lots of skirts and... The same like. one, the, okay. the large ladies with their own clothing. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so, going back to the charity shop, I said to the staff, are you okay here? You know, and I said it loud enough, you know, for, for the Romans to hear me and all. That caught the Romans' attention. The staff didn't know what to say. Um, but there was other customers actually watching this as well. They were just standing there watching the Romans too. Um, so that caught the attention of the Romas. The Romas turned around. They didn't like, you know, what I had said. And they basically started cursing. They kind of started cursing under their breath and then got a bit louder telling me to F off and all of that. How many of them um, were there? There was about three or four. Yeah, about three or four. Okay. I think there was about four, really, Neil. Um, and they were, they were covering up for each other while, you know, some were stealing, the others were trying to block them and all that kind of thing was yeah, going on. Yeah. At the very very back of the shop to the left. Yeah. Um, if, if you know the shop, um, well, uh, I don't know if I could say the name of the shop or anything like that, but uh, I'll, I'll just carry on with the story, I guess. Uh, after I said that to the staff, they were kind of looking at me and, and they were only started cursing and then uh, they turned around and they basic, basically in a nasty way told me, call the guards, you know. Like kind of testing me, I guess. So I said, uh, with pleasure. So I took out my phone. And when I did that, and I was looking for the number of the Bridewell, the Romans just quickly just uh, made a beeline out of the shop. Mm. Uh, and then all, the whole shop calmed down after that. Everyone started breathing normally and then were, were relieved. The manager came back. The manager thanked me for stepping in. Um. There was, but there was one of the staff, he was an Irish man, uh, and he he was saying to me, he was making all the excuses in the world for the Romans. And, like, you know, I just talked to him saying, you know, this can't carry on. I actually told him about the incident with my father and told him that, you know, I just don't, I can't, I don't like uh, bad things happen to Cork people, you know, mm. what's going on. 
Um, so I I actually phoned the guards myself then, um, and uh, they were very nice to me on the phone and all that. But they said to me, "There was nothing we can do about it. We can't search them. We, you know, they, this is what they're like. We can't do anything about it." So they can't they can't search somebody who's left somewhere after committing a crime, is it, to see if they have stolen goods on them? They didn't go. They didn't explain it that far, but they basically said, "There's nothing we can do about it." You know, like we we can't we can't search these people. You can search you know, somebody. They, though. You absolutely can if you think that they're if you're suspecting that they've committed a crime and they have stolen property on them. They also said that resources were low. Oh well, that's you know, another. That's for, another. They. They said, uh, we'll, we'll try and get a car around today. Now, did the shop check to see if anything had been stolen? They did. They did. They told me. Um, I stuck around for 10 or 20 minutes at the very least. Uh, they checked and they said there was loads of stock taken, including a fresh box of clothes that had been donated, which was all uh, taped up. That was ripped open and half of the clothes were taken out of it. Yeah, yeah. You know that an awful lot of people are shoplifting and robbing, and they're not Romas, and they're not—they're—they're they're Irish, and they're—they're, they're, you know, they didn't come in here from other yeah. countries. It's true. It's true. Um, the Romas, uh, well, the Romas uh, are stealing all over the city for for years that I've seen. But I, I'd also take the point that uh, many other uh, people from different countries uh, steal. Yeah, for sure. But you think that yeah. they do so? Without any fear, is it? Because they they're almost untouchable. I'm telling you, Roma Neil, women. If you un- if if we both understand the meaning of the word brazen, the brazenness of these ladies. It broad daylight. It was you know like twelve o'clock in the afternoon. The sun was out, and and they were they were pretty intimidating. I could see how the staff the staff were quite inexperienced. It was you know uh, they were youngish people from foreign countries working in this charity shop, and. Their English wasn't great. So, would it be fair to say that businesses in the city are plagued with this kind of carry on? I would, Neil, because I'll tell you what, I uh, kept my eyes open afterwards and uh, I basically just you know, kept my eyes open and I saw them going to other charity shops. And what I, from what I could see, there was a lady always waiting outside with a lot, a lot of bags, with, 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 a, with a, bug, a buggy or two. And I have a feeling they were stashing the stuff in the ladies, uh, with the la- in the ladies, you know, on the ladies' person in her bags outside. Yeah. Every time they did a robbery, yeah. yeah. Because they, every time around. they came out, yeah. Every Retail. time they came out of a charity shop, they would kind of go around the corner with this lady, and you know, it just looked like that's where they were stashing their stuff before yeah. they went on for a fresh, a fresh kill. Well, you observed if I'd seen it, I would be telling a similar story to you. I imagine that retailers are on red alert. Um, with regards to your poor old dad, though, um, the, he, the minute he gave some money, they swarmed around him then. That made it worse, didn't it? It actually did. It drew more of them on him. Yeah, they asked, uh, originally they asked uh, for money for uh, the lady's baby. And my dad has always been generous to, to people on the street, charity-wise. So he gave them some money, and then they they asked for oh they have another baby at home. They said money for them too. So then he said um, oh okay. So he gave them some more money, and he said then they just started swarming around him and gently pushed him backwards, and they were moving forwards. And there was about ten of them. He said, which pushed them up against uh, the court the courthouse, the wall of the courthouse. And then. And, and and went through his pockets. He said he, he didn't have the the power to push push them off him. 
they were Absolutely. all asking for money from all directions and he said there was hands flying everywhere all over his clothes he just didn't have the power to push them off it's a disgrace it's uh, an absolute disgrace um, he, my, 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 well, my dad is dead now um, the, the story will go down with him he won't be on the radio telling it so I'm telling it for him thank you for that John mind yourself appreciate you taking my call back after 11 and one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. an absolute disgrace 104 to 106 Red FM this is the Neil Frienderville show ok our justice system's a joke needs a complete overhaul says Rose Kean says uh, you spit at somebody, you do wrong, which is fair. He probably needs a lesson, but there's worse going on like teenagers stabbing each other and walking free on bail, isn't there? Well, you don't walk anywhere free. You're on bail waiting trial. And then, of course, it becomes a sentencing issue. Uh, and that's where people tend to get very annoyed. Patricia said, send uh, people to prison or, uh, oh, send some send somebody to prison for a short spell and then a spell in the army particularly young people, will show them how to respect people. Uh, and Rose says, um, he was a well-reared child, no doubt, the little, the lad who, uh, I nearly said the little lad, the lad who uh, spat at the guard, going around spitting at people's faces at any time is disgusting, but in these times it's ten times worse. I would like to think a lesson has been learned here, lads, wouldn't you? Anyway, there's reams and reams of those which I'll come back to. Never mind that, but the, worry, the stuff that's going on with people working in retail, you know, the grief that some retail staff are getting now worse than ever, apparently. Uh, it's so horrible. I go to two local shops. I have great respect for all the hardworking people who are keeping us going. Shame on you people who think it's okay to do, do this. They should all be barred. It's disgusting. You know, if there's somebody at the door, there was somebody at the door now of, of Dunn's, uh, the Bishopdown Court Shopping Centre yesterday. Um, and uh, I actually, weirdly enough, when I went to Woody's yesterday afternoon, the hand sanitizer dispenser was out of order. I mean, that's just not good enough. It, you cannot have any time when there's not hand sanitizer available on the door. Sort of out of order, stamped, stuck on piece of paper on front of it. But, but, but what should happen really is you should say thank you to everybody who's standing at the door of a shop, you know, saying, okay, just wait a few seconds. Okay, you may go in now. Say thank you. And they're there providing you with a service that could help you not get sick. So say thank you. I think that's the way it should be. As opposed to giving them grief or scowling at them or tut-tutting. Carol, good morning. Morning, Neil. How Net- are you? Okay, massive response, I'm told, to this with regards to Netflix, Sky Sports, um, in television cells. Your thoughts? Or, sorry, pardon me, in, yeah, in, in, in prison, cells. prison cells. Go ahead. I think it's ridiculous, Neil. I, I just think it's ridiculous. I mean, I know there's different degrees of crime, but there's also habitual criminals, and they're not afraid of prison, regardless of what people say, that their liberty is gone, and they're not, a pri- they're not afraid of prison. They have Netflix, they have Sky Sports. I haven't got Netflix, I work. I haven't got Sky Sports. Because um, it's expensive, is- a full package for Sky. Uh, exactly. Say if you have multi-room and Sky Sports, not even the movies, but you're certainly talking €120 Euro a month. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And these are people who broke the law and put a lot of other people who are going about their business working and just, you know, put them in fear. You know what I mean? And people are saying, oh, but should God help us? No, I'm sorry, no, there's no should God help us. They broke the law. So the drug dealers that are in there, the violent killers, the sex offenders, all of the gangland bravado types, you know, you know the ones with all of the jewellery and the gold on them. They've all got Sky Sports and they've got Netflix and whatever they want inside. Exactly. I mean, I'm not used, I, I I won't say anything about it, but I had to go to court one time due to an incident Oh, where I work. 
I'm not used to that. And it was laughable in there because it was all like, oh, hi, boy, how are you? What are you up for? Who's your brief? And I was just saying, this is just, it was just normal to him. It was the same as me saying, you know, do you want ketchup or brown sauce? Get away. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that before. It's a different world and they come in, they go into shops and like, as I said, there's the odd one, you know, they'll come in and they'll take something and they're not the real criminals. But then you have the ones who are and they nearly take it, excuse me, right in front of you. They don't care. The guard's hands are tied and let me tell you then, the ones who are out in bail are worse again because if they know they're going to get sentenced, they go... They go wreck. Some of them, Exactly, because they'll all run concurrent Excuse me. You're all right. Let um, me just, just when you get a cough in there, you say, I work in a shop and been afraid on numerous occasions due to some criminal yeah. element, uh, which have uh, no fear of the guardian of the law. Also in town for a stroll on Tuesday and I just left. Why is that? But they were feral. I, like you've probably seen videos up on Facebook. I've seen them and it was the same faces again. And these are adults, but they were off their heads and they were just running around, like running at each other, running away from each other, running at each other, just... Did you not think there was a great... Bo- okay, I mean, that was spoiled for I, you. But I did until I got up that end and kind of went. And everyone around that area was just standing. Where is the area to avoid? Um, This was... I was heading to uh, Home Sense. So it was by... And these people, them were up by Dawn Square. Yeah, that's a I, I was looking up at it. I was going to head up that way, you know, and walk along Patrick Street. And I just went, no, no. You know, because... With not all the shops open, if something does happen, like you don't have a lot of places to go into now. There's a group so, off their heads screaming, roaring, fighting. It was unreal. Some people over and over again oblivious to other people unless you have to pass them. It's gone crazy, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you could just pass them at the wrong time. And like when, when a lot of the, I know things are relaxed a bit now, but when a lot of the other shops were open and it was just our clothes and it was just retail, the like people who needed money for stuff were more inclined to come in and take things because, you know what I mean? And the retail shops were more more at risk then. So, so there's a reason then that we see so many security guards on, on uh, in, particularly in shops that have, you know, small ticket items where they have lots of things on shelves, you know, which is easily stolen. Like it gets harder to walk exactly. out with the television, but the nicky nacky stuff. Yeah, and they're sold on, whether it be drink, whether it be perfume, they're sold on, so they get money for what they need. Yeah. And it's it's the staff in the shop. Like, it's the it's a waste of time, because you have to, like, if someone comes into your shop, like, everybody has to be on guard, and if something kicks off, you could be an hour or two yeah. tied up. Um, then it goes, <laughs> like, it's just, they're just laughing at you. So what happens a lot of the time? You just take back what's stolen, is it? Yeah, and bar them. But like, as I said, the, the habitual ones, they you can say you're barred and they, they don't care. They can come back in. I've, I've had someone told me she'd cut my throat. Um, she told the detective at the time he was dealing with it that she'd stick a needle in his neck. I mean, and, and people are telling me then that, to God help us, they need Netflix in prison. Like, that's not, that's not right. Nursing homes don't have Netflix. Do you know? Tough, oh, being, tough being in retail when people are making threats like that against you. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't go to work to be listening to that, mm-hmm. you know, and nobody does. Nobody does, but I just think, why should we be, like, it could be just a bottle of vodka, but 
if they're what? threatening you to say, if if you take the bottle back off me before I get out of the shop robbing it, they'll hop the bottle off your head. I mean, I should nobody should have to... And what, is, what are you instructed to do in a situation like that? Let him take it, is it? Stand back, yeah. 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 Like, obviously, if there's someone in a shop that you think... I mean, I'm not saying you're this profile and stuff, but you know yourself, you know the people. Um, there's a there's a procedure in the shop, and people are more people are on the floor, and you just stand on the person. So you're not giving them the opportunity to do. Yeah, it. you're you're hovering, like yeah, 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 yeah. But if if it still happens, I mean, nowadays you can't run out after somebody because they could pull a knife on you. You don't know what they're going to do, so. Crazy. And it's not it's not like, oh, this happens once a week or once a month. This could be a daily thing. I go mad for you. And the guards, their hands are tied as yeah, well. Because yeah, because yeah. if you went out after someone and you got it wrong, they'll sue you like as well. Exactly, yeah. Or if they were armed, like eating a knife, or if they just broke the bottle. I mean, you've seen what happens with knives and bottles recently. So is it worth that then for a bottle of vodka? But at the same time... It's maddening that. I know, I know. No, I'm going mad for you that you had to leave town Tuesday afternoon. You just didn't, that's terrible. You should be able to go about I your business. I love passion. I, like, it's lovely walk. You know, you just have a passion. I know. By. I and they I were know. feral. That's the only word now to get. But the same people are in there all the time. And at the moment, they just, it's like it's their little place now and they can do what they want. It's crazy. Let me talk to Elizabeth, if you don't mind. Look after yourself, Carol. Thanks for taking my call. You too. Thanks, Neil. Take care. Bye. Elizabeth, good morning. Hi Neil, how are things? Good, I think you can relate to a lot of what uh, Carol was saying there, can you? I can, I used to work in the city for 24 years or so and um, like you'd be on your checkout and one particular day, it was the Roma Gypsies and we were involved actually, and one particular day the security man followed her into my queue and he said to her, take down what's up your poncho. So she started going, ah, ah, like I don't understand you, you know. So he said he kind of went to pull her poncho a little bit and um, a tray of steak fell down, a leg of lamb. There was a bottle of tanora. There was bread and he counted it after and there was about 80 euros worth of food that she'd stuffed up her poncho, you know. How, did, so how does the stuff stay up there, though? That's weighty. Like, you talk about a leg of lamb and a tray of steak. I mean, there's a few pounds involved in that. Weight. Well, I don't know how they keep it up top, but I certainly heard how they keep it down under. <laughs> Because there was a girl in the queue behind and she said she was working now in the city as well and that they noticed like it was a meat shop and some of their meat was going missing every week and they couldn't understand it. Like it was always a busy time and they just couldn't account for anything. And they said they'd start watching the Roma Gypsies coming in and the, the manager went to another area where he could see up high, you know. He went upstairs so he was looking down on their counter and he noticed when it was busy they'd come around and under their skirts they seemed to have a hook and was, he said it was one of those S hooks you know those kind yeah. of metal yeah. S-hooks. yeah and they were taking chickens and they were hanging them, them off hooks under the dresses under their gypsy skirts yeah you see the butchers have this these beautiful displays which are open and everything is of course vacuum packed and sealed in it but they're you know they're the open refrigeration unit refrigerated units where you can, you know, and they, that, so it's easy pickings for somebody because it's, it's yeah. away from the counter and it's away from the staff. That's it. But you know what, me, like, I mean, this country is good enough to accept people into the country 
and that's how they repair it. No, but I, I know, I know that. But I get, I get very wary of just hammering away at certain sections of society. You know, in the world that we live in now, like but having a go. Then they're never charged, and that's the problem, I think, because they're left off and they repeatedly do it. I mean, look at that lady up in um, up McCarthy Street, you know, in the craft shop, the arts and craft shop. I mean, she, she got an offer or deal off them that time as well, but they have no. Why? Fear. I don't know. What is the backstory to that? Was this public news at the time? Um, yeah, she was in the news there recently again because she asked people to wear masks. I can't think of the name of the shop. It's an RT. Ah, sorry. No, you're talking about Vibes and Scribes. You're talking about, yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Where people were given yeah. grief, they wouldn't go in and she was providing masks for them. Well, in the past, she was just different. She she was on the air with me uh, some some years back talking about being persecuted by Roma gypsies. That's right. So she with was. with regards to time. knitting needles and wool yeah. and haberdashery stuff. And I think she put the photographs up. On the, on the window she or something. She put photographs of the robbers. But she was dead right. She was dead right because, you know what, they were coming in threatening her livelihood and they're getting away with it in other shops and they keep doing it. So down came down came the... Um, did he did the security guard... How did the leg of lamb come out and the, the meat and the tanora? Did he take it out from under his skirt? No, when he came to, he just kind of pulled her poncho um, lightly. No, he didn't drag her or anything. It was just he kind of pulled it to say take him down from up your jumper because she was claiming, oh, I don't understand, you know. So um, it just it fell onto the belt, actually. They fell onto the and belt. And what happened next then? He told her, get out. Off you go. No guards called or anything, you know. So, But that was, an, that was an everyday occurrence, really, you know. Every and day? Say, yeah. And then you'd pass the motion. You'd get, lovely lady, can you give me some money, you know. And you'd know what they were just after doing. <laughs> and what should we do about all this? I don't know, but I, I just think maybe if they were fined, if they got a fine of maybe a hundred euros, they might. But you don't they know now that the worst thing that will happen to them is that the stuff will be taken back, and that's all. But me, I, I don't know whether you ever saw this on the telly. Now there was a reporter called Paul, and he used to do undercover work for TV Three. I can't think of his surname now, and it's not Paul Williams. Paul Byrne. Paul which? Paul Byrne. No, no, not any of those Pauls, Paul Williams, or any of them. This guy now was working for TV Three, and he'd do undercover documentaries. He actually followed McIntyre. Pardon? McIntyre. Um, it could be, it could be. Anyway, um, whomever it was, go on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he'd done a documentary and he followed the, some of the Roma gypsies over to their own country. They're living in mansions and it's all proceeds of crime, you know? And it's just some of the ones that were here now, like, that went back to their own country, he followed them over. And if you saw the houses... But you're not going to be living in lap luxury, robbing legs of lambs from a supermarket, like... No, but they do everything. They do the clothes as well. You know, the clothes for the charity shops. Yeah, yeah. They, they rob those as well, and, and seemingly like they, they get big money for those, for those bags of clothes. I think you're talking about Donald McIntyre, who did uh, crime documentary series for TV3. Yeah. I think that's his name, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's um, like it, it's, um, it's not just from food or things. It's a, it's a big thing. It's a big thing. I remember watching that documentary now, and I just I couldn't believe it. Like, and... Like they were on to him actually because they were trying to shun him with the cameras, you know. But um, yeah, amazing. Anyway. Okay, fair play. All right, and so you were twenty years working in the city. 
I was. Did it change over the 20 years? Oh, big time. It did, yeah. It did. You know, like, it, like it was... It, it, I really agree with all the workers, like, because when I go in shopping at the moment now, I come away from the chill and I go, thank you for working during the pandemic and all that you're doing. Because I just think they're not appreciated. Nearly every time I've been in a shopping centre recently, I would hear people giving out or being smart or, you know, and, and it's awful because, like, you spend your day on a checkout and it's the customers. I loved the customers, but 95% of them were lovely, really, which is the 5% of the Apparently, the last week or 10 days has got very bad because people seem to believe, ah, that's all in the past now. Everything's fine. Just cop yourself on. Uh, get a reel. You're overreacting, you know? That's the way it yeah, is. Yeah, well, I, I'm worried because I just think I can see that attitude around. And I'm worried because I think we're going back to a lockdown, definitely. And I just think, you know, with the people coming into the country... I just happen to think that, um, really... You're with other callers where it's saying that we shouldn't be opening the borders just yet. Yeah. Well, I, I think the test should be there at the airport that takes four hours, you know? All right, okay. Listen. Have it or not, I think that's the ideal situation. Okay, I'm happy to come back to that topic again, but I want to just stay with this for a little while longer. Thank you, Elizabeth. Appreciate it. No Much problem. Take Thank care. you. Okay, Paddy, good morning. Hello, Neil. <coughs> About the Romans there, I, I, I think the solution really is, and I think the best solution is that, and I don't know why they don't do it. Deport them. And what do you do to a, what do you yeah, deport them? Where? Back to their own country? Back to where it? they came from, yeah, Romania, and, yeah. And they've got kids yeah. here, and some of the kids are going to school, and... Uh, it doesn't you? matter. Look, if they're antisocial like that, and they're causing people hassle like that, send the whole family back to Romania and live in Rob out there then. Why uh, should they be treating us like that? when they were brought into our country living here. Is this, still a, is this still as big a problem as it was years back when I used to talk about this topic? Uh, how do you mean with shops? Yeah. I wouldn't be familiar with it, and he really am living you're, in the country now. You're just talking about in the in the case of anybody being caught who's not Irish. Um, just well, I mean, I, I can't understand it. Most If there's foreigners, like foreign people that come in here, and if they're causing hassle constantly all the time... I think this, the, the authorities should just put them on a plane and send them back where they came from. Okay. In the story and never to be left in again. And what are your thoughts then on when people do go to jail? Have you been listening to that uh, aspect of the programme with Netflix oh, and Sky? Oh, I don't believe in that. They shouldn't have any Netflix or any of that. They should have just the basic RT channels, I think, that'll do. Okay, thanks for that. And Anybody? Neil, yeah. Neil, about that woman this morning there that's that was claiming fraudulently claiming compensation, I think she should have been summoned for that, get a good fine, about a thousand euros. Sure, isn't fraud a uh, fraud a crime? That was fraud she was committing there, really. Um, that would have taken another court case, though. Well, I know, but like, I mean, to say, she got nothing, she got away with it, and she was, she was intentionally trying to defraud uh, the government or whatever. Mm, you know, I mean, isn't that a crime, Neil? Well, you know, it, uh, that this was not a criminal court case at the time. Um, like, she's going to have to pay costs for the other side. Well, I don't know. I still have a job getting that out of her, I'd say. But anyway, I think he said these people should be, when it's putting your insurance up and my insurance we, up and everybody's well, insurance there's a, there's up. A huge, there's a huge appetite for from the public for people who take cases, let's park this one for a moment, but people who, who it clearly is, like say for instance uh, this was a genuine motor accident, it was tiny it was a tiny, but it, it did happen but you know the ones where they're set ups, right? Yeah. Where, where they're rigged crashes yeah. most people want that when that's thrown out of court 
they want that referred to the DPP for a criminal prosecution. I don't think anybody would argue with that. That's my point, exactly. Yeah. That's what should be done. Yeah. Yeah. Where, it, where it's absolute blatant attempted yeah. fraud. Yeah, referred to the DPP. Yeah. That is a crime. That is a crime. Nice one. Thanks, Paddy. Appreciate that. Much obliged. one 850 John, good morning. Neil, how are you going? Good. What's Listen on your me? mind? Um, I've just listened to you there. Last speaker that spoke, I would agree with him 100% in that. My own opinion is this. Let these people live in the country by all means. But if they break all rules, deport them. It's the only way you'll sort all this out. Uh, that, that is my opinion. Deport them. And the, by all means, have them in the country. They're, they're entitled to be here, probably. They're entitled to be here. But they must abide by the law of the land. Break that, break that law, deport, and I'm sure you'd stop the artists pilfering and everything that's going on. You'd have all sorts of civil liberties roaring and screaming about minorities well, and their rights. They're so. not living with them. They're not living with them. That's the bottom line. There are people, there are our own, our own people living in this country all their lives are being hassled by these people. They don't deserve that. All people in, 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 in their later years deserve better than that. That's okay. all I have to say. Deportation. All right. All right. Thank you so all much. one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text 0868 On giving grief to retail staff, to all those that physically went to work and kept the country going, I applaud you. Those who flooded social media gloating about your great lives during COVID-19, spare a thought for those who were and still are physically and mentally exhausted from long, stressful hours, while the rest of the country are stressed about getting paint. Yeah, there were those that worked through. And, um, you know, I mean, there was... Okay, so there's physical and mental exhaustion from those that went to work. And many of us worked through it. And I, I thought that was a blessing that I was able to go to work every day. I really do. I understand what you're saying, Susan. But I think there was a huge challenge amongst people who couldn't go to work as well. Mentally, physically. Uh, a lot of people occur issues with regards to wages or jobs or redundancy or what the future held. And I think... I actually think that was probably tougher... Now, I don't work in a physically laborious job, I understand that, and I tip my hat and I thank those that do all of the time. But I think for those that were used to going to work and their lives were literally robbed from them for a long period of time, you know, I wouldn't underestimate the, um, the, the damage that that did to, to many people. Um, stressing to get paint, yeah, I mean, it was with more time in your hands, people were looking towards their homes, people were looking towards uh, doing things up, working in the garden, taking up a hobby, things like that. That's got to be applauded, you know. If you had a few bob and you were able to spend it because you're at the time at home, go for it. I mean, there was people critical of the COVID-19 payments, but you got to give people money if they can't go to work. You know, somebody's got to pay it. The companies couldn't pay the money. But the run on paint, my God almighty, I've been like one of those blue-ass little things that fly around um, trying to get um, first world problem, I know, and I'm not looking for anything, but th- there's been such a run on all sorts of different paints. And paint for fences like you just I went into three or four different shops yesterday trying to get paint any colour any kind of brown will do and they were kind of saying forget about it pal forget about it there's nothing like we, Cork has the best painted fences, fences in the country at this stage with the run on the big tubs Sharon says a complete disgrace the way staff are treated by customers at the end of the day staff are putting themselves and their families at risk every day doing their job and they must put up with this abuse my daughter's in retail. Every day she says to me, why are people so rude? She's going in to do her job and not put up with this type of abuse. There's reams of this and more of them are examples of people who are putting up with the grief, which I'll come back to in a few minutes time. Mary, good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. Thanks How are you? for holding. Are you? Okay, you work in a charity shop. 
I did years ago, right. eight years ago. Now, so this is going on, what you're talking about this morning, about ten years, is it? Okay, well, you tell me, has the nothing changed? Being hashed out again, sure, that's been going on since, for, for, te- for ten years. And I worked in a charity shop, and the tricks that i seen happening there with these um, Roma people was, was unbelievable. I mean, if there was a, a degree in how you get away with it and how you could do it, they'd get first-class honours. Honestly. So m- m- much of the time they're not caught at all they're at good at it, is it? Well, they, they, you know they're after doing it and then you confront them and um, they get abusive and of course, uh, you know, then they're not going to uh, call the police so they walk out the door and, and that's it. And if we, you know, Cork people are very, very generous to these charity shops and if we got a consignment, we say, of leather jackets from somebody, the, the wife would go in actually and she'd be pulling them out of the rail showing uh, the husband outside which one he wanted. And before you knew, that jacket was gone. It was gone. Ah, for God's sake. So why would you be allowing them... But why would you be allowing them take a leather jacket out the front door? Listen, you'd be uh, distracted by a customer maybe that was buying something and you take your eyes off with them for a second. I told you, they're past masters at it. They, they really are. Do you like this one, is it? Do you like this one? Here, look, try it on. I'll tell you He'd be outside the window looking in and she'd be in there um, doing her thing. I mean, the things that I saw happen there, you know, was, was, was miserable and mean and despicable, I think myself anyway. But I mean, it's, it's, it's going on for, what, must be 10 years now, So the it? chances are, maybe there's a chance that the good stuff that we're giving, I give to Vincent de Paul all of the time, recycling stuff, loads of it, there's a good chance yeah. that's getting robbed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, no, they were very good in there. You know, the, the people, they're very generous and all, all to do with that. But yeah, there's a good chance that they'd have it under their skirts and you know, they bear huge skirts. So, do you ever catch, do you ever catch Irish people or Cork people, Robin? Oh, gosh, no. I mean, a, a cancer shop? I mean, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, the way we are, we're a bit old-fashioned and we've got uh, our own models. Right. And, um, okay, no. that's interesting. In all the yeah. years, you never had an, a Cork person, an Irish person? Well, one. I must have been. There was one. Well, the one then. Okay. <laughs> but lots of Romas, is it? But majority of them were Romas, yeah. And, I mean, I confronted one one and I tell you what, the husband abused me and and the woman herself. No, I didn't take it. I don't know what you're talking about and all that. Yeah. And did she give it back or walk she out with the robs? No? She did, John. No, no. They walk out the door and that's the end of it. Because, as you said, the police are never called. Why didn't she call the guards? I don't know. Why is it, would it give a bad impression, perhaps because it's a, a cancer shop, an uh, impression of the shop, that um, they well, wouldn't want to draw attention to themselves? Robbing is robbing, like, it, you know. Oh, it is. If, if you or me went in there, we'd be on the spot. But these people, you can't, you see, because they're, they're rogues as well. Oh, they're, oh. And they're past masters at it, you say. Oh, listen. I told you, if there was a degree above in UCC, they get first-class honours. All right, thanks for that. Much obliged. Thanks, Mary. I'm a Romanian, 10 years living and working in Ireland. I must say I'm disgusted every time I see my co-nationals, rob uh, the Romas, begging in the city centre. My friend has been robbed by a Roma inside Pennies a couple of years back. I wish they would be all sent back to their own countries and not allowed to come back to Ireland ever again. They're a disgrace for other hard-working, tax-paying Romanians like me. I often got to be judged every time I said I was Romanian. I get judged because of my nationality. 
says Chris. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Interesting text coming in there. I see one coming in from an off-license plagued for years, being absolutely plagued and robbed constantly particularly by the Roma community. Text 0868104106. We'll come back to that. Oh, listen, you're going to be spoiled next week because Clancy's have come good. Remember, I was talking to Paul Montgomery and, of course, pubs that can serve food uh, are open from Monday. So just a little bit of advance notice for you because next week, among other lovely goodies, I have three course meals to give away for four with bubbles and cocktails at Clancy's in the heart of the city since 1824 and reopening again. Now, it's all refurbished. And they're ready to welcome you back safety in safety and in style. You can book Clancy's, clancyscork.ie. And next week, every day, we will feature giveaways, including for four people, three-course meal with bubbles and cocktails at Clancy's. And that's going to be great fun. It's even great to be talking about these things, reopening and competitions and giveaways for places where you can be absolutely spoiled for choice. Remember now, sometime between now and midday, it's your opportunity to win an overnight, sorry, a weekend, two nights for two of you at the Radisson Blue Hotel in Athlone, right beside the waterfront of Loch Ree beautiful Midlands, courtesy of ourselves and the Inua collection for the details at Inua.ie. So you're waiting out for that cue to call, all right? And we also will be doing some more shout-outs, not just from texts from you guys, but people are contacting me a lot more now on my Instagram page. If you're not following me on Instagram, perhaps you might like to. It's a fun place to be, happy, happy place. Uh, Instagram, and uh, I'm getting a lot of shout-outs on, on my Instagram page as well. So all that. And we have uh, Roosters Piri Piri Vouchers and Ramen Asian Street Food Vouchers for their Anglesey Street branch to give away in about 10 minutes' time. So a lot of other business are going to pick up on in the morning, because we've been really, really busy with calls already this morning. So a lot of other things tomorrow. Sean, good morning. Hi, how's it going now? Okay, now I was talking earlier on with Helen, whose daughter died, was murdered. She she was telling us the not the total detail of it, but way back in 1986. And you wanted to pick up mm-hmm. on that conversation. Go ahead. Well, I, I was just, when I was listening to it, I was just struck by the fact that, and, and uh, 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 it has to be stated up front, I've never experienced the kind of pain that I could imagine she would have gone through losing a child. But I, I just struck me listening to her that there's just so much bitterness that, that that's being held on to in her life. And the, the person towards which this is directed ostensibly is, is, is not aware of this. The only person that she's hurting with this is, is herself. Yeah. And yeah. I, it's, 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 I don't mean to scold her or to, I'm not trying to talk down or I just honestly feel bad because she really is. She's making this worse than I think it would have to be. Um, she, you said she's she's hurting herself by clutching so tightly to bitterness um, yeah. and she needs to m- find a way to move on. For her own sake, I would say, not for his sake. Because I mean, he's not aware of the impact it's had on her life, of course. Now, sometimes the, the criminals are aware of it when people forgive them. I don't know if you heard about the case in uh, Texas a, a couple of years ago. There was a, a poor guy who was in his apartment building and a police officer in Dallas came home. She thought that she was in her apartment. She was actually in his, and she shot him dead in his own apartment. Uh, that went to court uh, last last fall, and when the when after the police officer was convicted and sentenced to the 10-year stretch, the victim's brother uh, asked the judge if, if he could uh, give her a hug, and as part of uh, forgiveness, he gave her a hug right there in the, uh, in the courtroom. Um, and it was 
I, as I was reading about this, I personally, again, thousands of miles removed, thought it was a pretty powerful, powerful. gesture. Yeah. And just on that, she went, she thought she was in her own apartment, but actually was in his. Um, and yes. she was an armed member of the police force and she shot him. Yes, this is Amber Amber Geiger, G-U-Y-G-E-R. It was a big case in America. The man killed was Botham Jean. Uh, yeah, she was, she, well, again, she, I didn't follow the minutiae of the court case, but her claim was that she thought she was in the wrong apartment. But uh, it's a bit hard to, I, I don't, I, I've never been personally that disoriented where I would enter a house, you know, in an apartment. and She went into his and she claimed in defense that she thought she was in her own. Well, yeah, she claimed in defense that she thought she was in imminent danger. Of I know, I know, I know, I know. Yes, you see, it's uh, easy. It's it's easy for us to say uh, move on, but the death I of know, a child in any circumstances, particularly where their life was taken by somebody else, like uh, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd survived that kind of thing myself. You know. I mean, I well, again, I I, I don't know. I, I'm sure I'll come across as callous when I say this, but. We all have, you know, things in our life, people that wrong us, things that do us wrong. I've had them, you've had them. The The difference is it's a matter of degree, not of kind. Um, it's just, it's a great pain, a great suffering that's been inflicted on her. But we all have these. And I know in my own life that if I hold on to it, again, it doesn't, it doesn't make me feel better. It doesn't make me hold. It doesn't hurt the person I'm angry at. It just makes me miserable. And the sooner I can come to peace with it, whatever the thing is, it makes my life better. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that's the thing, really. It's a, that's, yeah. it's a challenge to be able to get to that stage, though, isn't it? Oh, it's certainly, exactly. I'm, again, still, I'm not making light of it. It's not easy. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say the woman's wrong or anything for holding on. I, I, I get that fully. Um, but again, just looking at it, bottom line, she only has her one life to live. And she's spending it in this way. And I know it's been thrust upon her, but how she chooses to deal with the situation is something that's somewhat under her control. Okay. okay. You know, that's my take on it. And before I go there, anyway, when when you were talking there about the, the, the quarantines and people coming in here, do you, do you really want people getting off a plane from Miami or, or Phoenix right now in this country? Really? Seriously, Neil? Without being in quarantine? Have you seen what's going on in the United States right now regarding this virus? Do you think they'll travel here, though? Do you think the, the Americans will come? They'll want to come, yes. I know my countrymen, yes. They want to go anywhere, spend money wherever they can, yes. And the Emerald Isle is on there. The Emerald Isle is within their sights in July and August, uh, is it? It certainly is, I would think. But uh, sorry, I don't, I don't want them here. Personally, I feel bad for the hoteliers and the, the airlines. But uh, again, do we want to... You, you, I mean, after all the months now, people complaining about being locked down and masks and distancing, wouldn't you rather go back to some sort of sense of normal? The only way you can have that is if you have tightly controlled access to this country, you know, through contact. At the very minimum, you have, if you're letting people in, you have to test them at the airport. You have to do contact tracing. If it turns out the test comes back. And I don't, I, as far as I know, we're not up to doing all that. Right well, there now, won't we? be, a, there won't be a quarantine. I don't know about America, but for a lot of European countries, you can come over on your holidays uh, and just have cop on and engage in the physical distancing that's required. You're saying. And, uh, you and again, what are you? Yeah, okay, it's fine. So say I'm coming over here from uh, Norway, but say my business takes me to San Francisco or New York regularly. So I go over there, I come back to Norway and then I go over to, to I know, Ireland. I know. 
yeah. within a two-week period. It's a nightmare. In the All right, and you're saying you wouldn't want your fellow countrymen coming here anytime soon with what's going on in Trump land at the moment. All right, okay. Not, not this year, not this year. Pleasure talking to you, Sean. Thank you so much. Thanks, Neil. Take no, care of yourself. Sure. Much Thanks. obliged. Okay, okay. Sure. just yeah. talking about hotels, actually, and I mentioned this, uh, tweeted it last night, actually, when I heard the news, and I mentioned it again this morning. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet is John Coleman, and he has just been awarded, deservedly so, Irish Concierge of the Year um, for the wonderful work that he does at the Metropole Hotel. He deserves it. Mind you, he's a humble, shy man at the best of times, so probably is mortified at all of the attention. But let's add to that attention now. Morning, John. Morning, Neil. How are you? Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yes, indeed. I would prefer to be at the other side of the camera taking the pictures. But I I know. Well, you're front and centre now, and deservedly so. Um, did, it come as, did it come as a surprise? This is the Irish Hotel Federation Awards. This is serious stuff. Um, yeah, so I was nominated back in February, and... Um, yeah, so then I was supposed to go to Athlone to the awards ceremony representing the Metropole, because the Metropole was in for its an award as well, which we won. Um, right. And then I heard lockdown came and the whole new world changed, and that was the end of it. I didn't think any more. So then I was in the hotel on Tuesday. I was off, and I was talking to Roger, and he just said to me, he said, are you around tomorrow by any chance? And I said, well, I wasn't planning on it, but look, I said, if you want me to do something, give me a shout, I'll come in. So then he was telling me that um, I had been awarded the Munster winner and that they were coming down, they were touring Ireland, doing their distribution of the awards, obviously, because of the new the new world. Yes. And uh, so I said, gosh. So then he said he'd ring to confirm the time, and then he rang me back and he said, actually, he said, you're getting two awards. He said, you're getting the Munster and the Island of Ireland award. Oh, my God. Totally and on top of all of that, then, the hotel won an award for Great Place to Stay Quality Award. Exactly, which is fantastic. Yeah. And you're back in business on the 13th, I'm told. 13th of July, bring it on, bring it on. Um, yeah, so we there's about nine, ten of us back here at the moment over lockdown, um, preparing, getting everything ready. Uh, there's a lot of training, there's a lot of reorganisation, there's a lot of um, stuff that's being done here in the hotel behind the scenes to prepare. All of the staff are vitally important. You've been the face of the hotel for many years now. How long? I'm three years here in the end of August. And before that? I was in Middleton. I was doing sales and marketing for a newspaper that uh, one of your co-researchers or producers would know well. Right. The Ethcock Journal. So this was kind of new to you then, was it? It's a dream. It was always a dream that I had. And I think the one thing I've learned from this is if you do follow your gut and follow your dream, it will bring you there. Um, I always wanted to get into hospitality. It's a very good friend of mine. She said to me years ago, she said, you should be in hospitality. I said, not at all. I said, and then I kind of thought about it. Um, I'm very inquisitive, and I suppose some people will call it nosy. I would just call it inquisitive. It's a password. um, So I would, like, if I was sitting on a train, I would always want to know where are people going, what are they doing, and my wife first would just say to me, like, what business of yours? But then it's just something that I would like to know. So I suppose... um, yeah, so I came here three years ago. And the job entails, literally, I mean, you are really the face of the hotel, but I imagine no two days are the same and no two requests are the same. They're not, and I suppose that's what makes it more interesting then as well. Um, you come with an idea of what you're doing and your plan, and then all of a sudden your plan is shelved. But the minute you put on your suit in the morning, it's changed. Oh, John, can you explain or can you do something for a guest? And 
But it's what I love. I eat, sleep and drink to get And you need to love your city because they're probably asking for recommendations all of the time. They are. And I suppose like that you you have to have pride of your place. And I think Cork City is an amazing city. Um, It's fantastic. There's great opportunities. It's very compact. So you know where to send them, like? Oh, I do indeed. Yeah, and I send them there. And I suppose I will send them where I know that I would go myself. Mm. Or I would recommend to my own family, and I treat all my guests as family. But what about the repeat guests, like the people who are regulars? You'd have to know their names, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, so I suppose you train yourself, and I suppose I would train myself by a specific way of training, but we'll keep that like the, the fig and the fig roll. Um, <laughs> I would just kind of, yeah, I've trained myself into it, and, like, you know, it's the, the low to zero cost has the greatest impact. So, like, like that, if a guest will come in the door... Oh, hello, Neil. How are you? And they're thinking, God, I haven't been here for three months, but... So he you remembers my name. When you have to, yeah, and they love that. Um, I reach out to a lot of the guests uh, before they check in, and I suppose now with the post-COVID, it will be very important to reassure your guests, reassure them that when they do come to Cork, that they will have a great experience. I'm working at the moment uh, with a lot of the businesses and restaurants and stuff in Cork and the bars and the whole lot, of what they have on offer and what guidelines and oh, what yeah. restrictions they've been placed. So if there's any, by the way, if there's any um, business would like to contact me, it's only just to have the information because I always say if people don't give me the information, I can't pass. Right, it. and a good way to get in touch with you is on Instagram because I watch a lot of your stuff on Instagram, isn't it? Good way to get Instagram in touch with or Twitter, yeah, would be the main one. Um, some of the crowd here talk is stalking, but I would say it's professional information uh, research. <laughs> Um, no, so I suppose it's just like that. It's your guest request. Your guest so you're expecting people from all over the globe now, like you had heretofore? Yeah. Is it going to be yeah. very different in July? It will be very different, obviously, because you will have your staycation. So I have a hashtag staycation Cork, because Cork is the only staycation that you should be go- coming to yeah. uh, as your destination. So at the moment, obviously, you will have um, a lot of internal domestic guests coming to stay in the hotel. I'm reaching out to those that have booked or those who want to book already and just reassuring them. And that's the most important thing that you feel. I've been in lockdown. I have been at home for a few months. I just want to go and enjoy. And you don't really want to feel nervous or you're kind of thinking, should I or won't I or what if? And I do think that once people will go out and are more aware of um, hygiene, really, and etiquette, that everybody will survive and the confidence will grow in people. Yeah, it's a beautiful hotel. I mean, it's something like, a, did I read somewhere 120 or 125 yeah, 123 years? 123 years. So last Sunday, the longest day of the year, it was 123 years and old. And you gave me a little tour of areas of the hotel that aren't open to the public. Much of it, you know, below ground or areas yeah. that would have been used before when all of the, you know, didn't, didn't we see somewhere where all the laundry was done by one woman, another, another woman yeah. spent most of her life doing the, the vegetables. Yeah. I mean, it was the incredible. Vegetables. So I have, um, I had planned for March, we're doing a fantastic um, tour of the hotel because we're now a member of the Historic Hotels of Europe since last year. And part of that is the dream that I had was always to, to do tours of the hotel. So that was supposed to start in March, but something with the letter C came. That's right, but over. you're planning on it in the... So we will be doing it hopefully in August. I will be doing starting up the um, hotel tours and they are amazing because history is something that you can't get rid of, you can't deny it, but you have to mind it. It's and an historic hotel. It's fabulous history yeah. and the hotel, I suppose, you know, it's a great... 
uh, historic hotel within the city and it's great to see the Metropole coming back into what it was. That's right. That, that, that was done by pumping millions into it. You need to twist Roger Russell's arm there to get him put a roof garden. It's a superb opportunity on the roof, isn't it? Did you hear our conversation or something, Neil? <laughs> are you twisting his arm? You are? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, listen. I don't know. Are you still there? Oh, bummer. That's a bummer. Yeah. Are you go are you is it in the plans I'm saying? Well there are different yeah, there are some exciting uh, times <laughs> in the pipeline. Might be one of them. We'll have to wait and see. Sorry, the line broke up there. I just wanted to congratulate you and say I can't think of anybody who deserves the award more than yourself. We love you, John. Neil, thanks very much, and we look forward to seeing Paul and yourself and, your and everybody else. back in in July. All right, my friend, the great concierge, John Coleman, at the Metropole Hotel, super guy. Check out the Metropole Hotel. looks fantastic. If you haven't been there in a while, you'll be blown away. You really will. Go in and check it out. And, of course, from next week, it's open again. We'll do some shout-outs after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 1850-104-106. Hello, old sock. I've developed test for corkness. Oh, well done, Reggie. That's lovely. Okay, you know what the drill is now. You know what you have to do. I've feckin' done it again. Ran out of time. Well, if you're giving away some of the vouchers, maybe you think about my mother and all our colleagues working right through the pandemic in the urgent care centre in the orthopaedic in Grona Braher. They dealt with the rest of the public who were hurt and injured through the pandemic and they're not getting the recognition they deserve, says Kyle. Well, we've fixed that. What about my wonderful neighbours uh, for one of your broucher, vouchers? They're the Browns. I'm 78. I'm registered Blind. They've taken my mad border collie dog out every day for a walk during lockdown. They've been amazing neighbours. Also, please say hi to all of the other lovely neighbours, Anne, Pat, Margaret and their families. Many, many thanks, says Ginny. So well done to the Brown household. If you're, do- you're doing a great job, thank you, thank you. I don't want to make a big deal of it, but I would like to nominate my wife Avril and her team at the HSC offices Dennehy's Cross for one of your ramen or roosters vouchers. They've been working every day since the start of the pandemic and are busier than ever. They're helping others in the HSC to get set up with remote working and getting them sorted. They're very stressed and overworked in the HSC. They deserve a mention. To Bob, I don't know, did I sort them out before? I remember reading out a similar email to that, text to that uh, some some months back. Uh, but if I didn't, I'll sort it out this time around. Shout out for my son Lenny Clark from Bween, driving an Arctic truck from Musgrave Super Value and Sentry. He's working around the clock up at half past three every morning. One of the lucky ones who had a job through all this. His wife Nat works in retail and does homeschooling for their kids. They'd love a shout out, maybe pizza or something nice like that. Love the show, says Ursula in Kilcully. Please, pretty please, a voucher for our fantastic dad. He's a healthcare worker. He has worked every day since all this began. Long shifts, weekends, and he's our hero. Um, don't know what his name is, though. I know your name is James, Ruby, and Zoe. Uh, but uh, anyway, if your dad, we'll sort him out as well. Meanwhile, let me just get this sorted. Maybe one or two shout-outs after that. Lorraine, good morning. Hang on a second and get it right. Lorraine? Hello? Okay, you all right? They tell me you're shaking with the nerves, is it? My hat is absolutely pounding. Okay, well, there's no bother here because you're only one step away now from the Radisson Blue Hotel in Athlone. You and whomever you choose to take with you, uh, two nights, bed and breakfast with dinner. Do you fancy it? Oh, my God, I love it. All right, well, let's see if you can prove that you're cork, all right, through and through. Oh, God, I hope I have this answer. Here's your question. You ready? Here we go. Hello, old stock. The second largest county in Ireland is A, Galway, B, Leitrim or C? Who cares? A, B or C? One second, I'm trying to think. <laughs> C. 
Hang on a second, we'll try it again. Hello, Sock. The second largest county in Ireland is A, Galway, B, Leitrim, or C. Who cares? Actually, can I just also say at this stage, I haven't a clue what the answer to this question is. C. C? I suppose. <laughs> Who cares? It's probably Galway, but who cares? <laughs> who cares? <laughs> who's, who's there with you? I know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not with anybody on my own. It's shaking. Oh my God. Okay, well, you better call somebody. You better call somebody because you're off to the Radisson Blue Hotel in Athlone with someone <laughs> of your choosing. All right. <laughs> Congratulations. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Glenmire. All right, girl. Well done. Fair play to you. Oh, thank you so much. Of course. Of course, that's right. Oh my God, we'll do more of that tomorrow and lots more besides. How am I doing for time? I'm out of it. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.